Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. enjoy the waves that you created with us in mind. The sun that you made in Genesis for us. God, we thank you for everything in your creation that resembles you. That there's so much in your creation that looks like you, God. But out of all of that, you saw us and said, I will make man in my image. So thank you for calling us worthy. Thank you, Jesus. From sin to man. Thank you for calling us worthy, God. God, we pray over the message that Derek speaks, Father. Pray for your spirit to be so heavy. Yes, Lord. We pray for relationships to be built, Father. Yes, Jesus. Issues to be addressed, God. We pray for ideas to be straightened, God. We pray for your word to reign in this place, God. Yes, Jesus. We pray for your spirit to reign in this place. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus name. Let's start with worship. And then let's go ahead and go into that. spoke a word you were singing over me you've been so so good to me for I took a breath you breathed your life in me you've been so so For I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You've been so, 
no um, care for our actions, either our works for good or the works we've done for evil, God. You're so good to us, Father, and you love us. So we praise you and we look to you, God. And we just um, give this time to you, Father. I pray for uh, Holy Spirit to be in us and on us and give us energy, Father God, to receive the word. Um, the, the flesh is weak, but our spirits are so willing in this place. So I just pray for ears to hear, God, and hearts to receive. So this is good soil. Um, so we look forward to the fruit that will be um, born from this time, God. So I thank you for the word that's going to come through, Derek, Father. We are eager in expectation for you to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. church where we um, learned about a lot of the principles concerning um, the Bible, you know, a lot of Bible stories and things like that, but, you know, I think what was difficult for me when I was young to really receive the word and to stay in it was, it wasn't very practical to me. Like, I learned about Abraham, I learned about, you know, Isaac, Jacob, and all the guys in the Bible, but I didn't know how their stories applied to my life. And I don't know if some of you here might be struggling with that. You know, when you're young, you learn a lot of things about the Bible, but then there's a lot of things, you know, that you deal with in the world on a day-to-day basis. And I think that what got me hooked into the world and what got me pursuing the things of the world is because I didn't know how to apply the Word of God to my life. So if there's anybody struggling with that, hopefully what you'll hear today will help. You know, because when it boils down to it, we really do understand that there is more to life than what we can see and what we can taste and touch and feel in this physical world, okay? There's a lot more to it. And I want people to know, too, that although I might be up here to speak, you guys can intervene at any time. You can ask questions. You can, if there's anything that you don't understand, anything that you want to add, you can do that because... We are here to learn the word of God. We are here to be edified by God's word. So if there's any time or anything that is said, you guys can come in at any point and you can ask questions. And I will not be offended, I promise you. Even if you disagree, this is a good place to settle things and to get it right. Okay, so what I want to present today is how important it is, even when we're young, that we should receive Jesus Christ because... I can tell you, if I would have stayed with the Lord and pursued Him, there's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened in my life that did. You know, one thing we have to truly understand is our lives really are in chapters. You know, we really do have a book of our lives that we go through. And 
if we, you know, there were some chapters in our lives we probably shouldn't have had opened. And I can speak from my experience. You know, one night hanging out in the club, you know, I met some girl and, you know, lived a sinful life with her. And then five years later, I have a chapter in my life full of hurt, full of pain, full of things that I didn't need to have. But it was because I was disobedient to the Lord. So if you guys hearken unto what God's word is and what uh, we need to do concerning following him, you can avoid a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in your lives. It is so important that we understand how important Jesus is very young because when we do find him and we go through this process of being born again, God slowly has to take the things out of our lives that we were a part of. So in some ways, the faster you pursue him or you go after him, the quicker he can work with you and give you real purpose in your life. So it is important that we understand that when God cleans us out, it's from things in our past life. If you can catch fire and be a part of the Lord Jesus Christ, young, oh man, there's no limit to how far he can take you. And as for those who do meet Jesus later in life, there's no limit to where he can take you. But one thing I do know is that each day is not promised to us. We don't know when we'll get a second chance to do the righteous works and those things that are of God. When I was in the world, I mean, I was a fornicator. I was a liar, you know, troublemaker, brawler, you name it. I was involved in so much. And I'll tell you, it brought so much pain and hurt in my life because I would not give my life to the Lord. So what ended up happening is my ex-fiance and I split up. I moved out here and um, I found myself in real trouble. No one to turn to. You know, the people that I thought would be good friends of mine and be in my life, they were all gone. So God had to take me to a place of helplessness in order for me to receive it. Because there was just so many things in my life that I thought was so important that I just couldn't give God time. So if this sounds like you in your life, this will be the perfect thing for you because when your parents are telling you to stick with your books, stick with your school, do the things that you need to do, all these other things in life can wait, they are telling you the truth. And I would have never thought that I would have agreed to that, but this is exactly how it is in life, that we can waste a lot of time on things that we think are important and they're not. So I always like to begin with the psalm. Um, I want to go to Psalm 139 because it's important how we reverence the Lord and we understand what his purpose is for us. So I want to go to Psalm 139. I'm actually reading out of the King James, but hopefully everyone will be able to follow. So let's look at Psalm 139 and let's begin at verse 1. Psalm 139 and 1, and it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. So what David is saying that, you know, no matter where he is and no matter what he's doing, God understands everything about David. And one thing we've got to understand concerning God, too, is he knows you better than anyone, and that even includes your parents and your siblings. He made you. He knows your thoughts. He knows the things that you go to bed with, that you worry about. 
You know, you can talk to him just like you can speak to anyone else because he is alive and well, and he's sitting on the right hand of God. Our God is alive. So he says, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. So what David is understanding is how awesome our God is, how knowledgeable he is, how his great wisdom is more than he can even attain or understand. So this is why God gives us his word in pieces that we might understand him better. But he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, and whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. So what David is making clear and what it took a rebel in my life to understand is that God is too high that you can't get over him. He's too low that you can't go under him. He's too wide that you can't go around him. So we may as well learn how to play it straight and pursue him because we're going to be dealing with him one way or another. Okay, so our God is that important that no matter what we choose to do and where we are, the buck stops at his desk. You cannot get around God. Don't be a rebel like me to find this out that, you know, he's what you need. So he says, even there, uh, this is verse 11. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. So he's saying, even if he's in darkness, God's light will always be around him. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. So God doesn't need light in order to do what he needs to do. And darkness is the same to him, okay, because he created both. So he says, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect in thy book, all thy members were written, uh, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So when the Bible talks about my substance yet being unperfect, that's the Hebrew word that means golem. It means like um, before we were built up, we were like clay vessels that God breathed his spirit into. But when he says being unperfect, that means God knew us before we were even formed. He says in thy book, all of thy members were written. Now, one thing you got to understand, and I hope this doesn't jump over the young people in here. But when God made us, he knew what you would look like. He knew what your hands would look like, how you would walk, everything. When he says that his members were written, that's like saying that there is DNA. If anybody can look at what DNA is, you know, it, it actually speaks of it as being a type of information that we have applied to ourselves that we can be formed and look like we do. So this is God understanding us down to the smallest parts of us. So then he says, How precious are also are thy works unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. 
So God's thoughts towards us are like the sand of the sea. Now, I know in many cases we might all have been in situations where we might have felt alone or we might have felt rejected or we might have felt like, you know, nobody loves you or cares for you. The Bible makes clear here that God's thoughts towards us are as the sand of the sea. Now, if anybody can even go out there and just grab sand and put it in the palms of their hands and you try and count every single grain, you would not be able to. That's God's thoughts towards us. It's innumerable. That's how much love he has for us. So then he says, uh, let's see, verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those who rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So, you know, when David here is saying that he hates the things that are against God, in order for us to walk with the Lord, we have to have a real love for what God wants. And we have to have a hatred for the things that God hates. And many of us are in that place right now where we know that there is a lot of worldly things that we like and we try and add them to God. It's important that we understand that God wants us to be separate from these things because one thing about the enemy is he doesn't wait for you to get older to try and come into your life. He attacks you in your life very young. He attacks you through the music. He attacks you through TV, he attacks you through education, like they tell you that you evolved, well I'm here to tell you guys you did not evolve, evolution is a lie, God created the heavens and the earth and man and everything that is in it, but see if you abide in what is in education, they'll tell you that you were a little primordial slime that washed up on the beach and somehow it was struck by lightning and we came from monkeys 100,000 years ago. So God makes creations perfect. God gives us everything that we need, and we are in his image, so we are not to take that lightly. I know what the world tells us, but God created everything. So he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what David is talking about here is being searched out by the Lord. Now, you know, I'm going to probably say things here that are going to make you guys not like me. <laughs> you know, the truth can be very confrontational. But one thing we've got to understand is if someone loves you, they will tell you the truth. You ever notice when you lie to people or people lie to you? You don't really have to think much about it. You just tell them something and hope that that's a good enough excuse. But when you come forward with the truth, why does it always begin with, I got to tell you something. I think you better sit down. <laughs> you know, we need to get this straight because, you know, the truth is confrontational. You know, so I want to uh, talk about um, why it's important that we follow Jesus you know, if anybody um, is familiar with the story and how we were created, 
You know, there was this rebel that God made because God was God alone. And he came into this world, you know, um, he rebelled against God and God cast him down to the earth or at least out of the heavens. So God created man in his image because he wasn't going to take any more chances on something that would try and not have his spirit. So God gave his spirit to Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve was tempted by this rebel. This rebel also tried to get them to fall. And the main thing that he did was he turned them into themselves and their pleasures, and he took their eyes off of the one true God. Now, that rebel has never given up his work. He's still doing the same thing today. He's still trying to influence you guys that you don't need to follow God. And how does he do it? Like I said, through music, you know, through uh, videos, <coughs> movies, you know, education, and there's so many different things, but we got to understand that everything in this world belongs to the rebel. Everything physical, guys, has a spiritual backing to it. While you sit there and um, some of you might listen to rap music, you don't have to raise your hands, you know, as to who you are. I'm sure there might be some. But the bottom line is if you ever listen to the lyrics and you listen to the things that they tell you, those things are all about degrading people. Those things are all about, you know, trying to get you turned to the world. And I remember before I started listening to it, I was kind of like a normal kid. You know, I lived a normal life. And when I got into that type of music, I mean, man, it just, I began talking like them. I began cursing. I began living a double life. I began doing all sorts of things that the music says. So when the Bible tells us that we ought to protect our temples, and what we see and what we hear, God knows that if we are like, um, how can I put it? We're like machines. We record. You know, when we hear things and we see things, you know, it's hard for us to forget them. So God wants us to cling to the things that he wants to keep us from hurt. Okay, so I want to go to one place real quick. I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to begin at verse 13. Anyone have any questions so far? Anyone not understand what I'm saying? You feel free to speak. All right. How does the Bible say to address the devil when he's attacking us in the culture? Do we have to do something? Well, the Bible tells us to resist him, and he will flee from us. You know, the devil has no more power than we tend to <coughs> give him. But if we are to hold out and stay fast with what God says to do, and we walk in the spirit, and we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, then we can keep the enemy from influencing us to do those things which are not righteous. And that's why it's important that Christians be together, that we walk with God. Because if we don't, we've got lots of influences on the outside that can deter us from the truth. So does that answer your question? Or? How would you say we can? Well, an example of resisting the devil is he comes to you with, with thoughts and lust and desires of the world. But, you know, we got to read God's word and understand what that is. We have to live a life of prayer. You know, some of you might be too young to fast, you know, or, you know, I'm not going to say too young, but, you know, it's really not pushed on kids when they're younger. But, you know, fasting is good for subduing the flesh, you know, prayer definitely and reading God's word, because this is not just a book of information. This is a book of transformation. 
As you read God's word, you get more of an understanding of him, and your mind begins to change. It changes the way that you think. And a big part of what gets us to follow God is a change in our nature. He knows that we can't do this in our own strength. So when we follow God and we read his word and we pray before him, we take on a process of transforming. But we first have to let, we first have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we have to know that no matter what he says in his word, he is right. Okay, so that's something that we ought to recognize. Even if we are not where we should be with him yet, we have to recognize that God is right and everything else is wrong. So we have to live up to his standard. Anything else? All right. All right. Yes. Um, how do you know the difference between is everything worldly bad? Like all worldly means is bad? I think that's an ongoing question. Um, <laughs> man. Well, <laughs> the answer to that is a resounding yes. Okay, because anything that is not of the Spirit of God is against God. And the, and the enemy knows this. As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to go right into uh, John chapter 2, just to make the point here. So this is Matthew 7, and this is 13, and it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now these are the words of Jesus Christ. He says that the gate is broad for those who are going to destruction, for those who are going to go to hell. It's a wide gate. That means that a lot of people are going to go and not even think that they should. Okay, But then he says that narrow is the way that leads unto Jesus, and few there be that find the way. So that way is narrow. That's not a gate for everyone except those who follow Jesus Christ. So if Jesus said that most people are going to be damned, that ought to strike fear in the hearts of us, no matter what age you are, that we need to pursue him. It is so important that we give our lives to Jesus because the distractions are everywhere. Every day, the enemy is trying to get you guys to forsake him. Anything, no matter what it takes to lose your faith. And we've got to cling to the righteous works of God. But you are right, you know, that all music outside of the Spirit of God is evil. If you go to John 4 and 24, the Bible makes clear that we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. So we can say... We can have lots of music. Even I found some uh, false Christian music where they don't really talk about Jesus. They don't even mention his name. They sing. They say God. They say this and that. But you rarely hear the name of Jesus Christ used today because the enemy knows what power that name has. So, you know, in order for us to worship God, we've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I know this is hard and it's going to be uncomfortable, but look at what Jesus said in um, look at uh, verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
So if there is anything being brought from the world that is not of God, it can't bring forth good fruit. Why we struggle in our faith sometimes to do the things that God wants is because we're feeding on the world. You ever notice you don't have that problem when you're around other believers and you're hearing about God's word. Our problems begin in feeding on the world. Okay, kids are born, I wouldn't say necessarily innocent, but they don't have the trouble that they have as they start to get older. What causes us to corrupt in life, aside from Jesus, is our feeding on the world. Okay, growing up in the education system, doing everything that we can here. These things are what corrupt us through time and keep us further away from what God wants. So he says, um, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into th- and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So as you can see, there are going to be a lot of people here that are going to call Jesus Christ Lord, but he will not be Lord over their lives. So just calling Jesus Lord doesn't make you fit for the kingdom of God. It is having Jesus Christ and walking with Jesus Christ and obeying his word is what makes you fit for the kingdom, okay? So does anyone have any questions so far? And I'm going to answer this question. Um, Let's go to 1 John 2, and we're going to begin at verse 15. I promise you guys, everything that I say will be scriptural. I fear God way too much to try and put my own spin on this. Which verse? Uh, We're going to start at verse 15. 1 John 2. And let's look at verse 15. All right, 1 John 2 and 15, and he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So as you can see, what I'm telling you guys is the absolute truth. Anything that is not of God is of the devil. Now, I know that there are a lot of things that we deal with in this world and we like and we find fun and we find joyous, but everything in this world that is not of God is of the devil. I know that's hard for a lot of people to accept, but it's the truth. So he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what we got to understand is, it is only those who do the will of God that will abide forever and inherit eternal life. Amen. One thing we got to understand is, at the end of time, we are all going to have to see our creator and we're all going to have to be responsible for the sins that we have committed in our mortal bodies or all the works that we have done so you know we got to ask ourselves one question is our names written in that book of life 
Because when all is said and done and we go on into eternity, after we've done all that we can do and we lived how we've lived, all that needs to be known is, are we with Jesus or are we against him? I know there are lots of things, like I said, worldly things that make us want to disobey God and do what we want. But we've got to understand that in the end, all that's going to matter is where, are your, where is your name written? Is it in that book or is it not? And, you know, it's so sad because you guys are really growing up in a time of information where the Internet is right there and you can just pull up anything that you want to. And along with all this information that we can get, there's a lot of negative influences, too, that come through. But you see, it, God has chosen you guys for a time such as these that you can follow him and do his righteous works. You guys are the future, and, and we're heading into very serious times. We're heading into very dark times. But God intends to use every boy or girl, man and woman in this room to do his will. Okay, so we've got to understand that the enemy tries to tell us that we're nothing. The enemy tries to defile us by having us feed on this world. But what God intends to do with us is make us live righteously and pursue him. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're wonderfully made because we have a chance to be full of Jesus Christ, to be what a man or woman is supposed to be from the very beginning of creation, that we may link with God and be righteous people. Okay, but we're fearfully made too because we can forsake God and, and we can live like animals and we can be as evil as we want to be. So see, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We've got the chance to have Jesus that's going to help us get through life, that is going to give us all we need, or we can be beast that what is what the enemy wants us to be and attempt to destroy us. So does anyone have anything they want to add, any questions? You know, anything at all that maybe you don't understand? Yeah. What's your name? Marty. Marty? All right. I was wondering why gardening <laughs> You know what? That is a good question, and that's a fair question. The question is, why did God make the devil? You know, one of the things that God gave us was a free will, and he made all of his creation that way. You truly can't love someone unless you give them a free will. Now, the devil at one point was um, a servant of the Lord. He led the praise and worship in the heavens. You know, he um, was one of God's best angels. But, you know, he began to look at himself. He began to think that all the glory was for him. So he rebelled against God and he fell away. But if you really love someone, you're going to give them a free will, even if they may turn on you, even if they won't do what's right. Imagine me having a wife or children, and I'm going to tell them, I love you so much, but I'm going to lock you in a cage. You can't get out because I love you. I just want to stare at you. I just want you to be with me. So I'm, everything that you do, I'm going to have to control. See, that wouldn't be love, would it? That would be kind of controlling evil. So God loves us to the point that he gave us a free will that we could either choose him or not choose him. So he made the devil because he had good intentions for the devil. He made you and I because he had good intentions for you and I. 
But what we choose is up to us, and God will give you a free will. Does that answer your question? All right. Any other questions? Yeah. I don't know who's first. Uh, all right. Either one. You guys have a question? Yeah, I have a question. Oh, okay. Yeah, what's your question? Uh, like, when you go to hell, like, what is it like? Well, I heard it's a place that you probably wouldn't want to go. I mean, it's. Um, I've heard all kinds of stories. The Bible says that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the worm dieth not. What he means by that is, imagine the worst pain that you can possibly suffer, but you can't get out of it. That's how bad hell is. It's like having bad nightmares, guys, and you cannot wake up from them. And no matter how much you have experienced pain or what you've done, the thing is, is that uh, God, you know, once you've made that decision at the end of time, there is no way to reverse that. That means you will be there beyond eternity. So the stories I've heard that you won't be able to sleep day or night, and you will suffer great pain, and not having God in your life is the only thing that's left for you if we choose not to have God. Does that answer your question? But it's going to be worse than anything you can possibly imagine. But we're not going. So we don't have to worry about that. We're going to pursue Jesus, right? All right. You got a question? Easton has one. Okay. Um, did the devil have a? Did he have a name in um, when he was an angel, or or do you know? Yes, he did. Well, yeah, he was called Lucifer. Um, the the Hebrew name for that is the name Hallel. So Hallel means praise. That's where we get the word Hallelujah from. So he was a praise leader in heaven. Uh, and I know this because if you read Ezekiel 28, the Bible makes clear that the devil had music instruments placed into him. That's how God made him. So he has uh, pipes and taverns that he played. So yeah, that was his heavenly name. Yep. Anyone else? Something just came to my mind. Um, It's interesting that one of the things that the enemy uses to um, distract or tempt us is music mm-hmm. and now that you just said that it just like connected for me absolutely we yeah. actually did a teaching called um the nature of the beats it's on sound the trumpet ministries which is you know our ministry website but um the reason why the devil knows what he knows and how he can tempt you how he knows the right beats to play how he knows the right words to speak to get you to do his will is because He's a musical maestro. Music is his forte. So he knows it that well that he can use it against us. And that's why there's some music that'll make you feel good. And you put on that rap gangster music and all of a sudden you're feeling like a thug, you know, that the devil knows that life imitates art. He knows that whatever we watch, whatever we see, you know, we will begin to act like. So it's important that we understand that He's playing us like an instrument. And what God wants to do is make us a new instrument that will be righteous for God. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, are, like, did they ever, like, mention, like, if demons are real in the Bible? Absolutely. You know, one of the reasons D- Jesus came was to contend with demons. You know, it was to 
set people free. Let's go to Luke 4. We're going to go to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to see why Jesus came. But yes, demons are real. If you cast out enough and you deal with them, you know they're real. Luke 4, and we're going to begin at verse 18. All right, Luke 4 and verse 18, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus came to set captives free. Now, he's not talking about from prisons, even though the ministry would go to prison too. He's talking about from demonic oppression. There are things that we need to know that why it's hard for us to accept Jesus is the influence of the world and the influence of demons. Why it's hard. You ever notice that you can watch eight straight hours of TV, but the second you start reading your Bible, you get sleepy? There's a reason for that. There's a spirit of heaviness that the enemy will try and keep you from paying attention to God's word. If you look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, or 3 and 4, he says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those which believe not. And it says, Unless the glorious light of Jesus should come unto us, then we can't see So it's important that we understand what keeps us from pursuing Jesus Christ is the God of this world. What I'm telling you guys, if you haven't heard already, Satan is the God of this world. A lot of people don't even know what the TriMet symbol is all about. That means 666. You guys, look at the TriMet sign whenever you get the chance and you see those three things together. It's the Triketra symbol. But it means 666, even the things that are on the Starbucks cup, even a lot of the music and things that we listen to, the devil's signature is everywhere. But if our eyes are closed to it, we can't see it. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to understand that outside of Jesus Christ, Satan is the God of this world. You heard many times in the Bible, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if they were for me, then they would fight for me. But what did this world do? It turned against him, and it crucified him. And, and thank the Lord for that, because what we should have got, Jesus went in our place. So it's important that we understand that, you know, God's word is true. But if you're looking for anything in this world to satisfy you, aside from what God gives us, I'm telling you, you are headed for disappointment. Satan is the God of this world. And what he means to do is destroy you, and keep you from following Jesus. Yeah, sorry. First. sorry you've been to... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I couldn't see his hand back there. Yeah. Uh, wait, was the devil the only angel that rebelled against God? Uh, no, the Bible makes clear in Revelation 12 that he took a third of the angels with him. Now, we know that God's angels, he has a great number of angels, so the enemy was able to influence other angels to follow him. There were some angels in heaven that thought that Lucifer was right. They thought that he was right against God. So one-third of the angels came with Satan to the earth, 
And that's what we battle today. This is why you can't get Jesus in school anymore, and they don't want you preaching about Jesus. This is the whole reason, because the, the God and the spirits that rule this world will keep people from bringing God into the world. Yeah. So, um, when God found out, like, Well, you know, that's a big question that I've even had, too. Like, you know, you're not doing us any favor, Lord, by keeping him around, you know, by letting him go. But, you know, he gave him a free will. He encouraged him not to rebel. When he did, God still had to have him have a purpose. I'm not saying he's working with God, but he has his place and he will be judged at the end of time. So, you know, the same question can be asked for us. When we rebel, why didn't God take us out? You see, so God does have grace. He does have love. He has mercy. He wants us all to make it. But I agree with you. Satan is a spiritual being. And, you know, he was damned from the moment he fell. Yeah. I mean, if he was killed, he would Well, you know, he was one of the things that caused, you know, help to bring about sin. But if you notice, Adam and Eve were made sinless. They didn't have to obey the devil. They chose to, even though God told them not to. So you see, that we also have a free will to decide to follow him or not. But once he fell away, I would agree. But you know what? God is right. And we don't know his purpose behind everything he does. But I would agree if he weren't here, things would probably be better. But who's to say if he was around, another angel wouldn't have tried it. So you see, in some ways, obedience to God is more important than what outside influences there are. Because there'll always be something trying to stop us from serving God and doing what he calls us to. It's Adam and Eve. Choice. It's, it's that choice. You know, Adam and Eve could have chosen to believe God, but they chose to believe the serpent. But I do believe that even if there was no Lucifer, man still would have been made with a free will to choose to or not to. So one of the things that the enemy does is he turns us onto the world, you know, to keep us from knowing God and his wholeness. But I agree with you. I'm like, man, why not just wipe this guy out, get the job done, so we don't even have that one less enemy that we would have to contend with. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, she said her hand up. Oh, hi. Sorry. Um, where did the signature come from? The signature? The 666. Um, well... It came from Revelation 13. Let's go there real quick so we can answer this question, guys. Revelation 13. And I believe it's verse 17. Yeah, let's start at verse 17. This is Revelation 13. So this is, this is Revelation 13 and 17. And it says that no man might buy or sell save they have, save they that, save, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now notice it says three different things. One is a mark. The other is the name of the beast. And the other is the number of his name. So what he means by 666 is if you have the mark, in the end of time. That means that your allegiance is to the beast. 
Okay, we won't be able to buy or sell unless we receive a mark that we might follow the devil. All right, so that's one six. That's one six. Six is a number of man also. So man and beast were made on the sixth day. Man is kind of symbolic for, um, six is symbolic for a nature. God's number is seven. Remember on the seventh day God rested? Well, when we have the Holy Spirit of God, or we make God, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we rest from our works when we are led by the Spirit. So the number six is symbolic for man and beast. Man without God is a beast. If you ever look at us the way that we're built, we are body, soul, and spirit. The body is the place that we live. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your spirit is the place where we worship God. So unless we know Jesus Christ, we're only two-thirds of what God made. So if you were to take that in 100% or 1,000% and you were to take away the spirit, we would only be 66.6% of what God made. These are things that occultists understand or people that don't worship God. So you see, you can only be two parts of what God made you to be. So what is 666? It is man, fallen man, and degenerate man. Man without God. Man that chooses not to have God. So 666 is where they get that mark from. And if you guys look at your monster drinks that you um, drink from, energy drinks, if you see it, it looks like three claws on it. Those three claws are the Hebrew letter or the Hebrew um, number, va, 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 meaning 666. Mm -hmm. You guys can look this up, but that's what 666 means. It's man in his entirety, fallen, degenerate, without God. A man without God is a beast. You ever notice how a lot of people live before they find Jesus? They lie, they steal, they cheat, they're violent. They do all the things that they can do, just like animals. They have no laws of God. They allow themselves to be governed by might is right. Whatever I feel like doing, I will do. And that's why when Jay-Z has, you know, that um, saying, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, he got that from a witch named Alistair Crowley, that taught him that. So you see, when we do what we will, and we call that our law, that is man as a beast without God. That means if I just feel like going around here and doing whatever I want, I'm a beast because I'm not what God made. I'm not governed by God. So does that answer your question to a degree? Okay, so that's where the 666 comes from. It's man <coughs> that is fallen in his entirety, a man without God. But if we're governed by God, we are 777, you know, the, the flesh and the soul being led by the spirit. So God's number is seven. Six is the number of man. So he is incomplete without God. Any other questions? Sorry. Um, this is for a friend. You had a question too, right? Oh, I see the All right, no problem. I'm sorry. Um, you know how there's no sadness in heaven? Mm-hmm. Let's say, like, I get into heaven, but my best friend, she, did, she didn't make it, mm -hmm. and I will be sad going into heaven. How does that work? You won't be. God says he can throw, <laughs> God says he can throw your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. So God is not governed by his feelings. God is going to, when we arise in incorruption, we are going to have new bodies, new minds, and we're going to be full of the Spirit of God. 
He will make it so that you will not think about anybody that you know that didn't make it. Because I agree with you, it wouldn't be heaven. You would be thinking about them in torment. And it says this in Revelation 22. Um, we could go there too to prove that point. Let's go there real quick. I like to prove everything by scripture. Revelation 22. Okay, we'll begin at verse 1. Revelation 22 and 1, and it says, And he shewed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielding uh, her fruit every month. I want to skip this. I just want to get to the point where... It explains this. Um, let's see. All right, we'll start at verse 6. And he says, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to shew unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. He says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which shewed me these things. Then he saith unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and thy brethren and prophets, and of them which keep the saying of this book, worship God. So you understand that this angel even says, Don't worship me. He didn't want to be like Lucifer. He told John, Hey, don't worship me, worship God. But then he says in verse uh, 10, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. So at this time when Jesus Christ comes back, whoever is bad, God is saying, At this point, let them be bad still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Am I reading from the right place? Oh, yeah, yeah, I am. So this is um, verse uh, 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, uh, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So these are the righteous. These are those who get in who are following God. Look at 15. For without, that means from the outside, are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth to make a lie. This is not what I'm looking for, guys. I'm sorry. I think it's in, um, it's in Revelation 21. It's in Revelation 21, but he actually mentions how that we will be able, they will be able to look up um, from hell and see us. And we're actually, we won't be able to see them. Okay, so hell would be to these people not seeing God. I mean, or, they, or they're seeing God. They're seeing every promise that God made, but they can't get out of their situation. But the person that is of God, he doesn't even know you. He doesn't even see you. No one will hear you. You'll be down there by yourself. But read Revelation 21 in your spare time. But it actually talks about that, that we won't be able to see them, but they will be able to see us. So that's tormented. Yeah. Okay, what do you mean 
clear our mind, like, so we would, like, wouldn't remember our friends and stuff? Like, what do you mean? Right. Like, we would have a nature after God that we wouldn't pursue, uh, that we wouldn't think about things outside of God. So he's going to make it so that even if you have family members that may not be of God, you know, that, well, you won't think about them. You won't know them. We're going to be married to Jesus, and we're going to be a new creation. Now, see, what I'm saying here, I want everybody to think about this. Some of us have family members that are unsaved. Mm -hmm. Now, think about how, you know, you can get along with them any other time until you talk about Jesus, and they get angry with you. You see, everything is spiritual. Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace. He came with a sword. So he came to separate those who would be with him and accept him against those who would not. Now, we all have the option to come and pursue Jesus. But what God is going to do is, is separate us spiritually. So to be honest with you, many of you who are believers in here, you are more of my family members and my brothers and sisters in Christ than my own family members that are unsaved. Why? Because you believe the same. So everything is spiritual. When Jesus was asked in Matthew 12, you know, um, when they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? My brethren. Then he turned to the disciples and said, this is my family. And anyone that does my will is my mother and my brothers. Does that answer your question? Okay. Sorry, man. I know I've been waiting a while, but... It's all good. Um, you talk about sleeping and spirits. Mm -hmm. I have um, sleep paralysis sometimes. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I can yeah. tell you that um, sleep paralysis is it is it can be demonic. You know um, the, what they don't tell you guys too is when you're sleeping, you are in the spirit realm. Okay, they try and tell you it's your subconscious and you're just resting. Yes. You are in the spirit realm when you sleep. Okay, and you have dreams. When you can't wake up like that, I mean, I've, I've been told, and I kind of agree with it, that there can be entities that are in your room that are sitting on you and trying to keep you from waking up. Okay, that is a very real thing is sleep paralysis. You ever guys have ever been asleep and you try and wake up and you can't? But you know you're sleeping. You're thinking, if I can just move just a little bit, I can wake up, but then you find yourself like, you know, not being able to, and then eventually you do. Well, that's sleep paralysis, but what you're talking about is legit because a lot of people have had experiences where they've been held down by entities. I would share some stories with you guys, but I'm not so sure that, you know, y'all would want to hear them, but let's just say the further you go into Jesus and you do the things that he wants, that veil gets pulled back, and you'll find out that the spirit world is for real. That's all I'm going to say, all right? I'm going to let you guys sleep at night. <laughs> um, so I had a question about uh, is Christian believers being oppressed by demons versus possessed by demons? Mm -hmm. So which one is it? Is it oppressed or is it? Well, there are four types of demonic oppression. The first is... Um, <laughs> The first is uh, depression. Depression is what happens when demons try and influence you outside of the body. They'll give you thoughts. They'll give you things to make you not, um, you know, just make you not feel like yourself, make you desire things that are not of God.
The second stage is uh, obsession. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's obsession. That's the second stage where demons are trying to, you know, they got you already sinning, and then they're trying to keep you in sin and keep you from being, you know, you, you start to like the sin. So that is like when demons are trying to reside in your soul, when they get you to do things that you don't want to do. That's considered obsession. The third stage is oppression. At one point, you might have had the sin. Now the sin has got you. Now you can't stop. Now you just feel like no matter how much I cry, no matter how much I desire to do the things that God wants, it's like something just keeps making me do it. And the last stage is possession, which is demons residing in your spirit. A person would totally have to be taken over in order to be possessed, okay? Because when you're possessed, you're used of demons and not of the Lord. So there can be different levels of it. I believe that most Christians are oppressed, most Christians are obsessed, and then some Christians are depressed. But when you are possessed, it means you're owned by Satan, so you would not be a Christian. You would probably hate God at that point. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah, I have one. Yeah. Sorry. I came here as helper, so you gave me a chance of life for one question. During one of Jews' uh, conferences, one young man asks about how to differentiate between listening the Holy Spirit and listening our emotions. How to differentiate for the young generation from there to explain them based on Bible. Well, I believe that the Holy Ghost is your conscience. And the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. So usually, God's listening to God's voice is going to correlate with what the Word of God says. Okay, when God tells us to do a thing, you know, you'll know it because it's going to match up with God's Word. But I believe that in most cases, when you have... Um, spirits or things trying to influence you to do things contrary to what God says or it's a rushing spirit or it's a spirit that doesn't seem very impatient and anxious then you know that that is not a spirit of God because what are the nine fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. And the Bible says for such there is no law. So when something is trying to get you to do things outside of being patient and waiting on instruction from the Lord, that can't be of God mm -hmm. because God does not bring confusion to you. God puts a peace around everything that he wants you to do. Amen. Now, there will be times when you hear that alarm clock go off where the Lord tells you, do this and do this now. But he will never tell you to do anything that is outside of what the word of God says. Amen. And you see, one of the things that we need to fight with and deal with, I'm glad that you brought that up, brother, but there is a spirit called rejection that is a real big problem as far as the youth are concerned, as far as grown-ups are concerned, and as far as the body of Christ is concerned. A rejection spirit or a spirit that makes you feel rejection is what makes most people pursue the things that are not of God. You see, a Christian is one that is made whole in Christ. A Christian is one that will obey what God tells them to do. A Christian will be someone that can walk with God even if no one else does. Mm -hmm. But see, today in this day and age, 
You know, rugged individualism is being pushed away. You know, thinking for yourself is being pushed away. They're trying to get everybody, if it feels good, do it. All right? If the, if the majority says it's okay, then you say it's okay. But like we read earlier in Matthew 7, Jesus said, the, the gate is narrow and the way is narrow. So when you see the word many, hello. <laughs> when you see the word many used in the Bible, in most cases, it's always in a negative form. It's always negative when you hear the many will do this, but the few will do that. So don't think that because of numbers or how many people may be against you makes you think that you're in the truth. When you're in God, you know, you, sometimes you're going to have to stand on his truth by yourself. I've had a lot of friends and family members walk out of my life because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So it's important that we understand that in order to pursue God, we're going to have to leave a lot of stuff behind. There's going to be a lot of disappointment. Some people will simply not want to be your friend because you have given your life to Jesus. But we've got to be strong enough in Jesus to say, you know what? If being with you is going to make my life bad, then maybe you need to go somewhere else and let me live where I live with Jesus. We've got to be strong in Jesus. Okay, so, you know, um, almost lost my thought for a minute. <laughs> but one of the things that we got to recognize is that God is right, no matter who thinks is wrong. Amen. And that could be mom, that could be dad, that could be pastor, that can be, you know, cousin, whomever. That can be your wife or husband. If they think that God is wrong and you stand on God's truth, then you stand with God alone. You do not need validation from other people to tell you what is right and wrong. Now, I do believe that God gave us teachers. He gave us apostles. He gave us prophets, people that can teach us and show us the ways of God. But then, you know, we ought to pursue Jesus is, what, is all I'm saying. And his word comes before anyone else. What God says is true. All right. Any other questions or anything? Oh, sorry. So, you know how you said that um, humans are a creation of God mm -hmm. and, um, like, the body of God and everything. What about people who aren't, like, the typical person, like, like let's say, homosexuals and stuff mm -hmm. like that? Like, do they, are they considered still a body of God? Or? No. Um, well, they, they were created by the Lord, but... This is one thing I want to make clear, too, and this is how the enemy tries to, and I'm so glad you brought that up, but this is how the enemy tries to influence people to believe the lie instead of believing God. For one, they were not born that way, okay? I know that you got scientists telling you that. That's not true. They were not born gay, okay? That's first and foremost. They don't tell you that 90 plus percent of them, and I want to be real careful how I say this because I do not want to hurt anyone in this room. All I want you to know is the truth. But there's a high percentage of, if you do the research, in the high 90s, they were molested as children. And because of that, they had a transference of spirit that went into them that did something to them and gave them different thoughts. A lot of sins like that can even pass through generations. Okay, so there is a such thing called familiar spirits that influence people to think and feel the way that they feel. 
But I'm here to tell you because I've led many to the Lord, they can be canceled in Jesus Christ. Amen. So yes, they were created by Jesus Christ, but God didn't make them homosexual. That's from a perverse spirit that influences man outside of God. And I know the lies, guys. I know in your school books and things, they'll tell you that, you know, Billy has two moms and Sally has two dads. You see how the enemy is not even waiting for you guys to grow up, and he's trying to influence you to believe the sinful works of the enemy? Stand on the truth in God. They were not born that way. But if they give their lives to Jesus, he will change their lives. Um, yeah. Like, they're very religious and everything, but they're still homosexual. Well, because they're not born again. See, there's a big <laughs> difference between born again and being religious. A lot of people go to church, but it doesn't mean everybody believes Jesus. Some people do it because it's ritual, because it's tradition. It's what they've grown up in. But a born-again believer in Jesus Christ has a transferred nature. And I'm not saying they may not still have some urges, when they've given their lives to Christ. But over time, the Spirit will sanctify you and take those things out of your life that you will start living righteous for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference between sanctified and born again and someone that's religious that just goes to church. They are not the same. One that is born again is born of the Spirit of God. So, you know, if they are still in that mode, they need to give their lives to Jesus. Many people have accepted Jesus as Savior but not everyone has accepted Jesus as Lord. When Jesus is Lord, then he does, we do what he tells us to do. And we don't question it. We don't try and knock the gospel down for other people. Everyone has to live up to the standard of Jesus Christ. Does that answer your question? Okay. Sorry. Whoever's favorite. Let's do one last question. Okay. Uh, after him, one last question. Well, there's some stories surrounding it. Um, some of these things, like, you may not get, but I, I did hear that, and I don't know, you guys can tell me if this is true, but I know that in the Ethiop Ethiopian Bible, I believe that there is a book there that was a reference book called the Book of Enoch. Is that true? Yeah, do you yeah. know in that? Yeah. You do know. Okay, so it's a reference book, but it explains that the um, in Genesis 6, Let's go to Genesis 6, guys. Sorry. I'm sorry to take up so much time. I know you guys have things but, to but do. Then, may, I, may I add something on this one? Yes, sir. The book of Henoch is out of our 66 in Bible. So it's written by the Ethiopian Orthodox uh, Church in ancient times. So we are not considered as... It's traditional. Right, it's like a tradition, a reference, but it's not it's not canon. I believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I totally I believe to that. Sure, I want to make sure the difference that's right. Right. Yeah. Right. And the only reason why I look at the, the book of Enoch sometimes is because it does match up with scripture. A lot of what the Bible says, the book of Enoch explains. So this is Genesis six. Listen to this. And this is verse one. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. So you, um, And then it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, 
and that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. So that word for son of God is, you know, angels. They were angels of God, okay? That word in the Hebrew is benai Elohim. It means sons of God. And it says next, the daughters of men. So we know that we're not dealing with human beings here. We're dealing with angels. These are two different types of species. And it says that these angels came down from heaven, and they saw beautiful women, and they, they took wives. They, they actually took these women, made them their wives, and um, that's what they chose. So then it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. And then it says in verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God, which were the angels, came to the daughters of men, and they bare children with them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. So what they mean is, the angels came down, they had wives as earth women, and they produced these giants, okay, that they were not supposed to be in the earth. These giants are pretty much responsible for every false religion you can think of, but I'm not going to go there right now. I'm just going to answer the question. It is belief in the book of Enoch says that when the, when the giants were killed in the flood, that their spirits continued to walk the earth. So demons are disembodied spirits of the giants that try and influence people to do their will. And that's why when demons try to come to people, Jesus said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, that he seeks rest and finds none. But he says that the demons will try and inhabit people because they want their appetite to be done through them. The filth that the world tries to bring up and get people in, well, the giants are the spirits of the, I mean, the, the uh, demons are the spirits of the giants that were on the earth. Does that answer your question? Yes, yeah, so demons work for Satan? Yes. Yes, demons are minions of Satan. Satan is their god. God is everywhere. No, you had guys too. Uh, yeah, I think she was. You were, weren't you? Oh. So. God is omnipresent, meaning He's all places at all times. The devil cannot be. He's He's power left when He left. God's presence. That was his, his power. So he needs people to work for him to give him power to to, to bug you guys, to annoy you guys, to mm -hmm. beg you guys to follow him. That's all he's doing. Mm -hmm. And all we need to do is look at God because he has no power. That's, like, that's the difference between God and the devil. Why he needs demons compared to why God needs angels. It's two different cases. That's God's right. everywhere. The devil is not. Amen. 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 Um, uh, you know how, like, you said, like, Starbucks has, like, symbols, mm -hmm. and, yeah, so can we not drink Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just asking. <laughs> um, you can drink Starbucks, you can drink Starbucks, but, you can drink Starbucks, but me personally, I would say grace over everything I drank and ate today. Amen. Okay, so, yeah. One more? Okay. One more? You had one too, right? I just wanted to clarify the difference between demons and angels. Okay. 
or no, I was going to clarify, sorry, but Sam kind of touched on it. We're going to have right. small groups after this, so if you guys still have questions, you can talk about it in your small groups. But, um, last question, her, her clar Mariam's clarifying question is going to be our last one. So okay. Well, okay. I don't want my question to be the last one. I want somebody else. Uh, 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 how do you feel about other religions, other religions mentioning Jesus in a different way? Well, if it doesn't go with the word of God, it's the spirit of Antichrist. Because one thing we'll find about every false religion, they, they never say that Jesus is the son of God. Have you ever noticed the Muslims call him, um, they say that he is a good man, he's a good teacher, but then they say God has no sons. The Jehovah Witnesses call him Michael the Archangel. You know, when you go into uh, Mormons, they, they do the same thing. So you, to me, you have to see Jesus as the Bible says. If you demean him or you make him any less than that, then that is the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. Um, so you know there's different um, Christianity. Oh yeah, he's trying to hear the question. There's like Catholics, Orthodox, uh -huh. Baptists, all mm -hmm. that. Um, like, do they they all teach the same thing mostly? But um, mm -hmm. which one do you think is doing it? Like, is there a right way of being Christian? Yeah, the right way to be a Christian is the only true church of God and obeying what the Bible says. And in all those religions, they all have things where they do not, their doctrine is not sound to pursue Jesus Christ. There's a lot of um, false um, idol worship and things like that that are not of God. So the only true church that exists is a church that is full of God's spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, and that are led by Jesus Christ. Protestants is the same thing. A lot of them are really mixed in with Catholic churches. Early Protestant movements were, they were legit, okay, because they went against the Catholic church. But you're finding a lot of Catholic doctrine being brought into the Protestant movement now. So there is no such thing as a denomination. There is only Jesus Christ and only his true church. All those denominations are separations that the enemy uses to try and keep people from the truth. The only truth that exists, the only church that exists, is the ecclesia, meaning the called out ones, those that are separated unto God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so I know that you, you're going to end the questions for now, but I just want to tell people out there, it is so important that you pursue Jesus, that you give him your life, because anything outside of Jesus Christ is a waste of your time. And it's going to bring you a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment, a lot of things that you put your stock in. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves nor rust can get into. But he says, lay not for yourselves treasures on the earth where thieves and moth and, moth and rust can get to. So when God gives us something, it's meant to be eternal. So if we're putting our stock in things in this life, be prepared for disappointment, but if you rest in Jesus, he will meet every need that you have. He will make you whole, so accept Jesus. So hopefully I've answered everyone's questions. I hope I didn't bore you guys too much. I hope that I tried to stay on the subject as best I could. You guys are free to ask me questions as long as I'm here at any time, or you can reach out to me by email. I've got no problem with that. So I just want to say I love you all. Receive Jesus Christ. Don't waste your time in the foolishness of this world, and he will give you what you need. All right. Father God, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for uh, 
just the food that we're going to take in part in. We thank you for the moms here. That is so obedient to your spirit and are so on task, Father. While we get to play and, and have fun that they're coming here and serving us, God. We thank you for Sahai, the elder, that came here to serve and to be a part and to involve because he cares, Father. Uh, we thank you for the leaders that have taken time out of their schedules to come and share your word because they care, Father. Because they want to hear your voice and do your will, Lord. So we just state that we're in your will right now. You are happy, you are satisfied with us, Father. And we seek your word. We get hungrier, Father. We learn more about you, Lord, and your word, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray over Sarah's message. Amen. 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 Oh yeah, that's All good. All right, if everyone has your Bibles, I'd like for us to go to Luke chapter 6. Uh, Luke chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse 27. Chapter 6? Chapter verse 27. I'll just start reading. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Now, for high school students and even college age students, what I said is a really big mouthful because I'm pretty sure today, and a discussion we had in small group was, um, you know, how do you talk to people about the Lord when they, you know, don't believe the same as you or if they make fun of you or if they even bully you for what you believe? And it's saying right here that we are to love our enemies. This is a commandment of Jesus Christ that you don't hate them, you don't curse them that despitefully use you. And why is that? Because it shows the love of Jesus Christ in us. Now that doesn't mean that you don't stand and you don't contend for the faith of, co- of faith. Of course you do. But how are we an example to this world of who Jesus Christ is if we act exactly like the world does? You know, Jesus Christ commands us to be different. He commands us to show his love in everything that we do and to this world we are so we are supposed to reflect him. And I know that's easier said than done. At the job that I have I mean, they play all sorts of music. You know, they say a lot of blasphemous stuff. And it's just, it's evident to see that Jesus Christ is not there. And a lot of the times, I feel like I probably am the only one there that believes in Him. And so sometimes in the atmosphere that you're in, you're going to feel like, man, I feel like I'm the only one that believes in Jesus Christ and everyone else is just doing all this stuff. Everyone else is having a lot of fun. But why do I have to be different? And I'm going to give you guys an example of that in a little bit in my own life as to why that is. Because I grew up in church 
I grew up in Christian school, you know, I had to read the Bible as a kid, had to read the Bible as a young adult, and because when I went to school, it was required reading just like a history book or just like a math book or anything like that. So I read it only because I had to. I didn't have a desire to read it. And so you know you have the love of Jesus Christ in you, and you know you have a relationship with him when it's not just something you have to read, but you have a desire for it, you have a hunger for it, you have a thirst for it. And that way we can show this world who Jesus Christ truly is. So let's keep reading here in verse uh, 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take, forbid not to take thy cloak also. <coughs> Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. So this could be the saying as you know when kids are someone comes up to you and says hey give me your lunch money and you want to sit there and you want to fight no dude i'm not going to do that but what's the saying right here we're not to render evil for evil and i know that sounds like a really crazy concept because we want to stand for ourselves and we want to stand for what's rightfully ours but if we do that then it's just going to give them more reason to come at you. It's going to give them more reason to come back at you again and do it again and again. But if you show that giving spirit that Jesus Christ has, and you say, you know what, this money means absolutely nothing to me. You can have it. The Lord's going to bless me. Then they're going to see a difference in your life. Yeah, they may call you strange and weird and you crazy Christian at first, but over the course of time, the more you do that, the more they're going to realize there's something different about this individual, and I need to know why it is that they live the way that they live because they're not like I am. And so that's why it is, you know, I was saying earlier, it's like, name one time that Jesus Christ, when he was being beaten and mercilessly beaten, he raised up. He didn't. He let that happen to them. He let that happen to him because why? He had to die on the cross for our sins. He could have. He could have justfully raised up and had a legion of angels come down and tell the people to stop Twelve doing that. Legions. Huh? Twelve legions. Twelve legions, yeah, exactly. But he took it for their sake. He took it for the sake of the people that were beating him, and he took it for our sake, and he wants us to do the same thing for those people out there that do not know Jesus Christ. Verse 32. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love them. Also show, um, also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom ye have hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive much again. But love your enemies, and do good and lend, hoping for uh, hoping again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto unthankful and, and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. And here's something else to think about, too, as to why we are to love those that hate us and love our enemies. It's an example of what we actually do to Jesus Christ on a daily basis and why he shows his love towards us. How many times... Has he commanded us to do something and we just blatantly disobeyed and he still loves us? I know that's happened to me in my life. Even in recent times, he said, I want you to do this. I want you to talk to this person. And I was like, Lord, but 
I'm at work or Lord, I'm in this Lord, I got something else to do. I you know, I'm on a busy schedule. I mean, can I do it later? What's that? That's disobedience. And he still loves me. Now he'll chastise me for it because he does love me and he's like, you know, next time you're gonna listen to me because that person I was supposed to talk to, they may not have had tomorrow. That could have been their very last day and what happens? Now their blood is on my hand. So that's why he commands us to do that. And it's not like he's commanding us to do that because he's a, a dictator or anything like that. But it is just like a parent to a child. You know, a parent tells a child to do something because they love them, not because they hate them. And this is what he's commanding us to do. To show, he wants us to show the truth of what his word says. The fact that hell is a very real place. The fact that the lake of fire is a very real place. And for all those that don't believe in him, and that goes for every one of us in this room. If we don't truly believe in Jesus Christ, that's where we will end up. It is a relationship that we have with him. So, um, all right, if there's any questions on that at all? Okay, not. let's go to Romans chapter 12. In verse 9, Romans 12 and 9. All right. Let love be without dissimulation. Afford that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in busyness, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So that slothful and busyness is like, you know, what Derek was mentioning earlier is that, you know, we can be so busy doing something else or watching a lot of TV or whatever, but when it comes to the Word, all of a sudden we fall asleep. That's because we've got too much of the world within us, and when it comes time to give to the Lord, all of a sudden we got a, a little 30-minute segment that we can give to Him because we've spent eight, nine hours of the world, and that's what we're full of. So if we get... And this has happened to me. So I'm going to put my own self under the bus today is that there was a time, especially on weekends, um, I'd get so busy with doing other stuff like cleaning and I had to do this and I had to do that. And if anything deviated out of that schedule, I would just get very like tense. And then the Lord came to me and says, well, when is my schedule available on your busy schedule? Because what if you go somewhere and all of a sudden something happens and you get upset you're not thinking about the person I want you to talk to while you're there. So it's like we can't be so busy for the world and so busy with school and everything else like that that we don't have time to give to the Lord. You know, I know, huh? Oh, yeah. And I know we want to talk to our friends and everything like that, but there is no, I'm telling everyone today, there's no greater friend in here than Jesus Christ. He's the only one that will never leave you. He's the only one that will never break your heart. He's the only one that will never break a promise with you. We place our trust in him. He will never do that. But it is a relationship that we have to maintain with him, just like you would with your very good friend. You know, if you don't call your friend in a while, what's going to happen? You're going to think, well, I guess they fell off the rock or don't like me anymore. So that's the same thing it is with the Lord. If, you re if we really believe in him, we're going to maintain that relationship with him and seek after him so he can work with us. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. 
patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. So that could go along with showing favoritism or having cliques in school, you know, and people getting left out. So if we are in our own conceit or if we are minding things that are high, then it's like we can't see anyone else around us. You can't see that, that lonely person in school that it's just, you know, they maybe they have a bad family life or something and they're just looking for something to cling to and they don't know what. And if we as followers, true followers of Jesus Christ, are so busy with the popular crowd and so busy with, you know, how do I look and everything like that, that person gets left to the wayside. So that's why it's saying that. It's like, don't look at all the popularity that's going on. Let's look to the individuals that truly need Jesus Christ. And even the popular people do as well. But let's not place ourselves in that position of idolatry where it's like, okay, someone is supposed to see Jesus Christ in me, not me in me. Verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now that's a, it's saying if it's possible to do that, to live peacefully with all men. We know that the country that we live in today, that's kind of rare. You know, because everything is just going crazy and out of control. But we do have the peace of Jesus Christ in us that passes all understanding. Which means everything in this world could be going on crazy around you. And there's a calm. There's a peace in you that the Lord's given you. Like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about this. I've got it. I'm going to take care of it. That's the peace. Verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. That means if someone comes up to you uh, mad or crazy or anything like that, instead of going back at them, take a step back. Let them get out what they need to get out and see if you can talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what it's all about. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So, if your enemy is out there and they're in the cold, and I've heard people tell me this, so I know that there's people that do that. They say, I hate this person so much that even if they were starving, homeless, in the cold, I would not help them. And I cannot feel that way about somebody. Why? Because Jesus Christ does not feel that way about that person. So if you see them out there on the street, go out and help that person. If you see them, you know, your classmate at school, maybe they don't have any lunch money or maybe they don't have something to eat. And even if it is someone that, you know, constantly comes after you, Show the love of Jesus Christ and help that person out if that's what the Lord's telling you to do. Hear his voice because we never know what somebody's going through. And I'm not agreeing with bullying or anything like that in any kind of way. But most of that spawns because kids are abused at home. That's where they get it from. And they need Jesus Christ just as much as anyone else does. So we are to help our neighbors. We are to help our friends. You know, 
part of my testimony that I'm going to give today is, like I was saying earlier, I was raised in the church. I was raised in Christian school, and I, you know, I went to youth conferences pretty much my, you know, entire teenage life, and I didn't know Jesus Christ. I went because I had to go. I went because it was expected of me to go. I went because my friends were there, but that's the only reason why I went. There was nothing of Jesus Christ reflected in me. As a young adult, when we had to go out on visitation and knock on doors and stuff like that, I didn't want to be the one that spoke because I knew that this word did not live within me. So to me, it was just like, it was foreign to me to do that. You know, we'd go out and talk to people and I'd stand in the background because it was like, I knew that I was just as lost as that person we were talking to. You know, after church, I wanted to go home and turn on the TV. What was the latest show that was on that I liked? That's what I wanted to do. And I was supposed to be an example of a Christian. So I'm telling everyone in here today, if we love Jesus Christ, it's not some sort of religious experience. It truly is a relationship. And I didn't have a relationship with him until about four and a half years ago. And I know the difference between the two because he changed my life. And I'm going to tell you guys something in here today that very few people in my life know about. But it happened to me when I was in high school. So I'm telling you guys this because it is a reality. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was in November of 1997. And uh, I'm going to try and do this to keep my composure at the same time. But I, over, I was older when I graduated high school. I was like 19 when I graduated high school because I had problems in school, learning disabilities and everything. And so I was an adult still in high school, and it confused me. I was also at my first secular job, and I saw the kids there were having, you know, the kids there seemed like they could do whatever they wanted to, and the parents let them go out, and the parents let them drink, and my parents were square. They didn't let me do any of that, and they cursed and all that, and I was just like, man, I'm missing out on life. Why is it these kids get to do all this stuff and, you know, get to hang out with their boyfriends and everything, and, you know, I, I feel like I'm living in a mausoleum, you know, no fun for me. And I did not understand that what, what my parents were trying to do for me until I got older in life. And it, it would take many years for me to understand. So in November of 1997, I was so confused that over the course of a weekend on November 1st, 1997, I tried to kill myself. I took more than the legal dose of Tylenol PM. That Monday morning, I was in the bathroom drying my hair and I had this overwhelming feel of feeling of guilt come over me. And I just could not get out of this feeling. And my mom, she noticed that there was something different about me. Like I was just really shaken up and everything. She comes in the bathroom. She's like, what's wrong? And I was just like, I don't know. You know I didn't want to admit it at that time what I had done. And she looked at me again very sternly and she said, what's wrong? And it was like the Holy Spirit went, tell it. And I told her what had happened, and she immediately rushed me to the hospital. And the experience I had, they had to, I was in the hospital for 12 hours. They had to pump my stomach. My dad walks in, and I still remember the look on his face. But I could have been, the Lord could have allowed that to happen. I could have, he could have said, you know what, I'm done with you. You've been running from me your whole life, and I'm done with you. You're going to go to hell now because you tried to kill yourself. 
I don't care what your excuse is. I've been calling you and calling you and calling you, and you have not been listening to me. But you know what? I'm still here. The Lord Jesus Christ gave me another chance. And I would run from him for the next 10, you know, the next 10 years. So that's how gracious our Lord Jesus Christ. But not everyone in this life is given that second chance that he gave me, the third and the fourth and the 20th chance. Later on in life, four and a half years ago, or no, in 2000 and something, I would battle with alcoholism. Four and a half years ago, I stopped drinking, but it was only because I gave myself to Jesus Christ and have a real relationship with him. And that's what I'm telling you guys here today. If you don't feel him with inside yourself, that he's changing your life, call out to him because you can't have him. But I'm telling you guys today, he took alcohol away from me. He took cigarettes away from me. I was in the military at the time, and I was questioning whether I was a male or a female. And he showed me, I created you to be a woman. Started growing my hair out again. And he showed me, and step by step by step, how to be a lady because I didn't know how to be one. So God placed that in my life again. And I'm telling everyone in here today, that is what a relationship truly is all about. I was in sexual fornication before then. He took that away from me as well. It changed my mind. So that way I want to serve him. That way I want to read his word. That way I want to tell people about Jesus Christ. But you guys are the youth. You're the next generation coming up. And I want everyone in here today, if you have a desire for Jesus Christ, to come to know him because it is real. Satan is trying to keep you from that reality. He wants you to stay in the here and now. He doesn't want you to know Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the only way to peace. He's the only way to be healed. He's the only way if you want to give up your music. He's the only way if you want to give up things that are not of him, things that are hurting you. You know, if people are into drugs or anything like that, he's the only way. He's the only way they can heal abuse. If you're in an abusive situation, he can heal that. But we have to cry out to him for that. You know, it was a choice in my life that I made in my early 20s when I decided to move out and get on my own. I had left the church. I never said I left Jesus Christ. I said I left the church. That's because even at that time, even though he gave me a second chance at life, I still didn't believe in him because I didn't get it at that time. I would have to look back on my life to understand what he had done for me. And it would take a long time for me to see that. But not everyone's given that opportunity. Not everyone's given that long time that he gave me. And for those next several years, I would run for the Lord. I would be, you know, in the military a couple of times, and I would do all sorts of stuff. And, you know, it just, I battled with a lot of things. And through it all, the Lord had his hand on me, and he delivered me. But I had to give my life to him. So I'm just... I love every one of you guys. I know I don't know you, but I still love you because you're here. You're here today because Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with each and every one of you. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say, Sarah's not lying. I mean, if you would have saw her four years ago, <laughs> you guys wouldn't have been able, been able to recognize her. You guys see the movie G.I. Jane? <laughs> Sarah was like G.I. Jane. I mean, the Lord really did change her and transform her and work with her. So I'm a witness that the Lord made those changes in her life. Yeah. And he, if he did it for me, he can do it for everyone. You know, it's, it is a decision, though, that we have to make. I mean, I was at rock bottom. I mean, I was at the lowest of the low. When I got paid, my, my paycheck went to alcohol. You know, it was either alcohol or pay my rent. So 
I'm a testimony. I'm a living testimony that what the Lord did for me, He can do for everybody if you know if we so choose it. And it wasn't an easy process at first. You know, I had demons come and visit me. I mean, tall demons as big as you know the roof of my apartment, trying to keep me. I even had a dream about them. Had to pray my way out of it, and the Lord delivered me. And ever since then, I mean, it's a couple of times it's happened, but I know that if I have a life of prayer and I have a life of worship with the Lord those prayers will break that demon on top of me. It's just, it's not even a thing I worry about anymore because I know my God is there for me. My God is greater than everything. God is greater than your biggest worry. He's defeated it. So let's just give it to Jesus Christ and let him work in our lives. So has anyone got any questions? smoking but I enjoyed it too much and I'd actually and I'm not putting anyone on the spotlight it is the Lord Jesus Christ um, but I do believe he places people in our lives and I had met Derek at the time and the Lord spoke through him and he actually started talking to me about stuff that I'd never heard before and I had a little Nelson Bible that I kept with me for I don't know, 13 years and I started reading it and when I started reading the Bible again and at that time, I was like, okay, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I know that you're the only way that I can stop. I started reading the Bible, and I, I quit smoking first, and about six months later, I would quit drinking, you know. And so it was me calling out to him and knowing that he changed something inside of me. It was a desire. It was a nature change that changed inside of me that I felt for real, and I just, I had a desire to read his word again, you know, for the first time it all started making sense, but it, it, it had to be something I really wanted, it couldn't be just because I prayed a prayer, it was literally like I was done with doing things my way, and that's truly when it begins, when we're tired of doing things our way, God can take over and says, okay, now you're going to do it my way, but we have to, we have to be so tired of doing it our way, that we know that his way is the only way. Amen. Do you um, talk about your experience with the um, spirits visiting your room? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> was that when you were like getting clean, or was that yes, your yeah? It was like the first time. It was literally like the day after I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. Um, those demons came. I was just trying to go to sleep. And these huge demons, I mean, they were like as tall as the ceiling. I couldn't see them, but I could feel them. My cat could actually see them. Yeah, they were huge. And I was laying in bed, and I didn't really have a strong prayer life. Like I said, it was just like the day after. And I was laying in bed, and I literally <laughs> had the covers over my face, and I was like, Lord, please help me. Lord, please help me. Lord, please help me. And even with that simple prayer, he knew the desire of my heart was to be set free. And literally within just a few minutes, they were gone. So, and I was able to go to sleep. And I had one more where it was in a vision. And these little raisin head green, like, uh, alien-looking demons were in my dream. And there was many of them. There were several. That means I had a lot of demons in me. 
They came up to me, two of them did, had red eyes. And in dreams, your ligaments don't work. It's all telepathic. And so they came up to me, and they said to me, everything's going to be all right. But what that meant was that Satan was trying to keep me in my sin, and he did not want me to be delivered. And after that dream, I really just said, okay, Lord, I know that Satan's trying to keep me here, so I give everything to you. Start taking it from me. And he did. is a place to turn around and I want to give everyone that same opportunity of turning around. doesn't matter what you did last week, yesterday. doesn't matter what happened. doesn't matter the reason. Tomorrow is not given. Tomorrow right. is not ours. Seriously, I ride a motorcycle and I know tomorrow is not mine. <laughs> I, I move on. I'm on faith every day. Tomorrow's not mine. There's no difference for you. There's so many things that can happen. Let's get with you. Tomorrow's not yours. I'm not prophesying this into your life. I'm telling you this because of reality. This is life. But we want to give you an opportunity to, to turn your life around. Uh, I don't know how we should situate it. I believe in stepping forward. It really does show the Lord that you're turning away from where you are. So, yeah, we could actually do it right here. Good. Okay. So, we're going to stand right here, guys. If you want that in your life, just like she had in her life, come up front. We're going to pray for you. And you're going to make that decision. But pretty much what Sam is saying, guys, that. You know, we've all been to church, and we've all done things our way, and like Sam said, it's not about what you did yesterday or before. He's speaking of this time right now, that if you know that you're not saved, and you've been playing church, and you know that there are things that you want in your life concerning Jesus Christ, then all it takes is a step forward in a, in a repenting from your sins, and to have your testimony that you want Jesus and you're done doing it the way you are, I will tell you, or we will tell you, it is a journey. It is something in your life where you're going to have your ups and downs. But it's about being on the right path with Jesus Amen. that he can come into your life and change you. So if you know that you're not saved and you know you might have been playing church and you know that you might have been doing things that aren't of God, that's between you and the Lord. But we're just telling you guys how to make it right. We'll pray over you. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we can, you know, and the Lord will work things out with you. But you have to want it. You can't be made to do it. It's a conscious call of you wanting Jesus Christ yourself. And you guys have heard everybody's testimony up here. And I'll tell you, it's not something you want to miss out. No. I've wasted a long time in my life doing things my way as well. But now the Lord is just asking that you can give it to him, that you come to him, 
as a free will offering. So you know it's up to you guys, but you're the only one who can make that step forward to the Lord to really accept him for real. And right now, as we were talking about spirits, as we were talking about enemies, as we were talking about the unseen realm, right now there might be the enemy telling you guys that you're okay. You don't need to do this. And he would love for us to hold on just for a little bit longer mm -hmm. so we can sit back down. But if you know that there's something between you and the Lord that you want to make right, you can take a step forward and you can mm -hmm. repent of your sins and, and choose Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And don't be concerned about what your friends think. Be concerned about what God thinks. Amen. There's no embarrassment here. You know, the love of Jesus Christ is going to, He loves every one of you guys. So don't, don't be concerned about what other people think of you. you know. We're leaving that door open. The Lord has opened that door. This period is called grace. And this is what he's giving us all to get to know him. So is there anyone that would like to step forward and accept Jesus Christ into their lives that they can repent and that they can follow him? Heavenly Father, you know, Lord, you know that your salvation is real. And we know that the enemy himself builds strongholds. But I proclaim in the name of Jesus that you cast down every stronghold, everything over the mind, everything over the heart, everything, Lord, that is trying to keep people from getting to know you. Lord, we know that your way is right. And there is no demon out of hell. There's no lying. There's no false walking with Christ that is going to stop this movement right now. So I proclaim in the name of Jesus that you find every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of evil, every principality, every power, that you set these kids free, that you set these individuals free that might want you. In Jesus' name, I proclaim that they go from you right now in the authority, in the might, in the power of Jesus Christ. Set them free. Because, Lord, you're speaking to me now that the enemy is trying to lie. He's trying to tell people that they're okay. He's trying to tell people not to worry about it. But we're here to tell you all he's a liar. You are not missing out on anything in this life except a life with Jesus Christ. You will not be perfect, but you will have him as your Savior. How many here, honestly, can say that they have accepted Jesus Christ in their lives? Raise your hand, please. And if we have not, let's be realistic and let's accept him. Does everyone here believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, does everyone believe that he is the only way to be saved? You don't want to miss out, guys. That step forward is up to you. He loves you. He knows what you're going through. He knows when we've been hypocriting around. He knows when we've been doing the things that we are doing. So, guys, it's up to you now. We're just going to be praying up here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
desires and God is so pleased with her that there's nothing she feels guilty or feels sad about God or anything. It's just more that she wants to tackle her thoughts, God, and to think any of the thoughts about only that she does not have a life about God, which everybody can feel for and that she can know that there's no compromise she chooses and she should be so much more God. Anything she wants, she can find it. You don't ask her to give up what she likes. Just ask her to say yes. So God, you say yes, say yes.
I pray that you fill them all with the Holy Ghost. And I pray, Lord, that you breathe upon them a new life, a new nature, a new way that will be obedient unto your call. Let your perfect will be done this day. Let your fire rain down, Lord, this day to cleanse the atmosphere of all unrighteousness that all perfect works may be done in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, so anyone that felt like they want to make him Lord, just come up. We're going to pray for you. Anyone that felt the question, the answer to that question was no. The answer to that question was no or maybe. Even if it was a maybe, there should be no question. Come up, please, so we can pray over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.
and only rely in you, Lord God Almighty. For you're the only one that can set us free, Lord Jesus Christ, of all demonic oppression. You're the only one that can truly heal our lives, Lord, with everything that's going on, whether it is a disease, Lord Jesus Christ, whether it is family, whatever it is, Lord Jesus Christ, if we lay it at the foot of the cross and follow after you, you can heal us, Lord Jesus Christ. It is only by having that relationship with you that these can be transformed from the old man. The old man is what Satan, what Satan controlled, Lord Jesus Christ. The new man, as we give it to you, Lord God Almighty, that your glorious light of your gospel will shine through us to this world, Lord, this world that's living in sin, this world that has a veil over this eye, over their eyes, this world that does not understand that, Lord Jesus Christ, you heal us, you set us free. Lord God, you give us new eyes that we can see into the spiritual realm, Lord God. And we can take on that full armor that protects us from the fiery darts of the enemy. So I'm praying over these lives, Lord Jesus Christ. I feel a heavy presence of the Holy Ghost. And I feel that anointing upon these young people's lives. That you've called them out, Lord, to be ministers. You've called the men to be pastors. You've called the women to be evangelists, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you show them the gift that you've placed in their life. That they not waste it any longer, Lord Jesus Christ, like I did. And they will seek to have that relationship with you. Lord thank God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus Christ, your holy name I pray. Send down the Holy Ghost. Send down that fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. that are receiving the word that there's good soil here Lord and that every seed that's planted grows and sprouts and becomes something beautiful God and each and every one of these children's and, and high schoolers and college students and, and adults lives in the name of Jesus yes Lord But something happens when we position our heart to adore God, to praise Him, to exalt Him. I remember uh, we were in downtown uh, Lloyd Center, like Holiday Park, and we're, we're just singing and worshiping by the Mac station. And there's this dude who all of a sudden starts manifesting a demon. He like starts hitting himself in the face, screaming, like, and then he starts charging towards us. And I'm like, okay, this guy's going to, either God's going to zap him or we're going to be in a fight or something's going to go down, right? As soon as he comes near the warship, all of a sudden he gets teary-eyed and things change and whatever was in him, like, just, he was in his right mind talking to us and he joined in worship and it was amazing because, like, there's something powerful about worship. Like, it literally, when you start feeling, like, warm inside, it's tangible. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. There's this thing called glory in the Bible where Moses sees the cloud of glory. You know, like, it, it's the presence of God. And there's something God taught me, because when I was in uh, Brazil, like, I was going, we preached in about 12 different churches, and 
some places it would be explosive, like where all of a sudden, like everyone's on the floor, like people are crying, people are like just getting changed, God's moving, and then we go to another place, and God would still do miracles, you know, because that's who He is. But it just felt harder to minister. And I'm just like, God, how come like you're not exploding just like like in every church we go to? And God's just said, My presence is precious. You know, if we want, we could have as much God as we want, but there's something about hunger, something God. Like, I have to have you. I have to know you. I have to see you. I have to experience you that positions us for encounter. So tonight, let's, like, really worship God.
Father God, thank you, Father, so much for um, the fact that the price you paid is is enough to cover it all. So, Father, we just accept that truth. And you say, we accept what you say. And you say that it's enough, God. So we know and recognize we are your children. And we own that identity. And we take that in this place. And we say yes to you, Jesus. So we praise you that we get to say yes to you. We just thank you. Because it's all about you, God. So we thank you so much. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to try one. Okay. I don't... I was just uh, playing this a few weeks ago, and I was just filling the spirit on it. So I'm gonna might mess it up. I don't care. I'm just worshiping Jesus. So. <laughs> you're fire. You are jealousy. Oh God, burn through me with your eyes of love. Yeah. You're fire. You are jealousy. Oh God, burn through me with your eyes Baptize my heart in your love, oh God. Baptize my heart in your love. Baptize my heart in your love, oh God. Baptize my heart in your love. Your fire, you are jealousy, oh God. Run through me with your eyes of love, yeah. Your fire, you are jealousy. Oh God, and throw me with your eyes of love, yeah. Baptize our hearts in your love, oh God. Baptize our hearts in your love. Baptize our hearts in your love, oh God. Baptize our hearts in your love.
<laughs> he just went to you, though. Let's ask everyone here that we would encounter you more than we've ever felt you, God. We would know you more. We would, God, let no one leave this room change, God. Jesus. John 17.3 it's been like a life chapter with me like where it's like John 13 through 17 has probably been some of the most life changing chapters like in my life for God. Eight years later I'm still stuck in those chapters but check this verse out Jesus said and this is eternal life that they may know you the one only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent it's funny that he didn't put eternal life on you praying a prayer. On you responding to an altar call. He, he put eternal life on knowing God. See, praying a prayer, inviting Jesus in your heart, that's, that's an entrance way, but it's not that prayer that saved you. It's Jesus himself. Right there, he puts eternal life, saying that they may know you that want your God. You know, you can see your favorite celebrity, and you can be their fan. You can know everything about them. You see them in person. They don't know who you are. Like, who are you? You walk by, hey, what's up? They're like, who are you? See, but God, he's like offering an invitation to know him. Like, not just to know about him, not just to know his book, but to really know him. And that's what he puts eternal life. The question, is, are you saved or not, is are you walking with God? It's an ongoing relationship. But this is something that's like, like I realize 
the whole Christian life can be summed up in this. It, God wants intimacy with us. He wants relationship with us. You know, if you read the Old Testament, Moses had this amazing friendship with God where he's like, God, like, I want to know you. Like, like show me your ways. And, and Moses was allowed to see some of the most holy moments in history, like where God showing up and, and he would go, you know, he sat and he chilled in God's glory. But everyone else was freaked out. And they're like, we don't want that. Like, no, God, that's scary. That's a fiery mountain, you know? And they're like, Moses, you go. Tell us what to do. So instead of a relationship, they wanted religion. They wanted a law to tell them what to do. It's a lot easier when there's a checklist. You know, do this, do this, do this. A plus B equals C, check. But the problem was God gave a law they couldn't fill. God's like, all right, if you want, if you want to try to be righteous in your own strength, in your own, here's what it takes. No one can measure up. That's why in the New Testament, it calls the law ministry of death and condemnation. Because the law was never meant to save you. It was meant to show you where you, you messed it. Show you why you need a savior. But the truth is, there's two trees in the garden, you know. There's the tree of life, which they, had, they didn't even have knowledge of good and evil, but they're eating of the tree of life, and that's everlasting life. And out of that place, like, out of intimacy, they did the right thing. But then there's another tree, which was the tree of knowledge. It says it gives them knowledge of good and evil, but in the end leads to death. Now, Roman, when Paul's talking about the law, he says it gives you knowledge of what sin is, but it leads to death. It's condemnation. You need a Savior. Now, the amazing thing, though, about Jesus is when he comes in, he doesn't come in and offer a new religion or a new law or a new way to do things, but he offers a reconnection to the living God, something that was lost in the fall that could not be recovered through our own works. You cannot work to be good enough to God. You cannot fight for it. You cannot strive for it. I don't care how long you fast, how long you pray, how many good deeds you do. You cannot be good enough for that. But the truth is, Jesus came down and he said, you know what? That's worth dying for. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to be in your life. I want to walk with you side by side. I want to, like, that's what Jesus came down. That, it said in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That joy set before him was you. He saw you and he said, that's worth dying for. And here's the amazing thing. It's like, you wouldn't pay for junk, right? Like, like, say you're buying a brand new phone and you go in there and you see an iPhone. And the dude's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that for 10,000 bucks. You'd be like, heck no. That's not worth it, right? Jesus looked at you and said, you're worth everything. You're worth me laying my life down for you. Think about that. That's the truth. That's the reality. And the amazing thing is no other God in history would become a man and die on a cross for the people he's ruling over. But that's the love of our God. Because it says in John, you know, the word, the word was God. The word was with God. And the word became flesh. See, it's amazing because in John chapter 1 verse 1, you know, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was, was God, and the Word was with God. The word for word there in the Greek actually means the divine expression. It means 
there there was every way God could convey himself. Like that's the concept behind the word logos. It's logos in the Greek. And it means every way God could convey himself to show who he is to the world. Every like basically if you try to explain yourself to somebody else, what you're like, who you are, like that's the word logos. So God's saying in the beginning was was the word. It was who God was, his essence, his nature, his character, his love, everything he was. And that essence became a man in Jesus Christ. So when that's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now check this out in John chapter 17. Wait, actually no, my bad, 14. Love this. Verse 6 says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, there may be tons of religions out there. I've played with a lot of them before I knew the Lord, and none of them offers what Jesus offers. And it's not just a fire insurance so you don't go to hell, but it's a living relationship here and now where you know God, where he guides you, where he leads you, where he speaks to you. It's the spirit of truth where he guides you in all truth. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah, it says, if you know me, you, you know, he says in verse 7, if you know me, you would have known my father also. And from out, now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us father. Like, it's sufficient. Show us the father. It's sufficient for us. I love Jesus' response. He says, have I not been with you so long, Philip, you do not know me? He who's seen me has seen the father. How could you say, show us the father? Saying, if you're looking at me, you're seeing God. You're seeing the Father. Because I'm, I'm the image of the Father. It says Jesus is the express image of God. Meaning every way God could convey himself in human terms is in Jesus Christ. He's the fullness. It says in Colossians that he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in him you're complete. You're lacking nothing. This is really important to me because one day I was praying. I'm like, God, what kind of relationship do you want with me? And I was actually fasting over this. I'm like, what the, what's the depth we could grow? Because Jesus said, you know, greater works than, than these you will do if you believe. Yeah. And he says, you know, these signs will follow those that believe. So I'm like, God, like, what's the capitalist thing? What kind of relationship do you want with me? And God took me to this verse. And I read it and God spoke something crazy. Like, you know how God like says something and you're just like, Okay, I have, I have to have a theology check. But he said, this is the relationship I long for with you. And it just rocked me because if you keep reading further right here, listen to this. After he talks about giving you another helper, someone who's going to walk with you and never leave you, never forsake you, which I'll get back to that. But right here it says, verse 20. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I am in you. And then he goes on in John 17, verse 20. It says, I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us. So he's like saying, look, this oneness that I have with my Father, I'm actually paying a price for you to have with me. It's crazy. And then in that place, he says, and the glory which he gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. That's, I can't, I'm still wrapping my mind around it, but Jesus said it. <laughs> but here's the thing. 
he's given us a helper. Like Jesus didn't just die on a cross and bounce and say, okay, but he actually sent the Holy Spirit, who's God himself living with us. It's the very presence of God. It's the person of God in us. It says in Colossians chapter 3 that the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So the Holy Spirit is God himself with us, in us, through us. That's why Jesus could say, I and the Father can, are going to make our home in you or with you, depending on how you translate it. Right here it says, verse 15, it says, If you keep my commandments, I'll pray to the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. I love that because when, when you're walking with God and he gives you a spirit, he doesn't just like take it away, you know, and just give it to you and then say, ah, just kidding, psych. You know, there's a reason why it says we could grieve the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, Saul grieved the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit bounced. He was a king, he was in authority, but he, he, he feared man rather than God, and he feared the voice of man rather than God. So God said, you're not worthy of having my spirit. He took, he took it away, and he gave it to David, someone who was hungry for the spirit of God, someone who's crying out passionate. And it's amazing because when he fell in horrible sin, David's heart's cry, you can read it in the Psalms, he says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, please. Don't take the Holy Spirit from me, because he knew everything flows out of that. Now, what's amazing is in the New Testament, you don't have to worry about Holy Spirit bouncing because you could actually grieve him. What that means, why is he grieving? Because you're taking a holy thing and running it through the dirt. He doesn't just bounce out and leave you when you're in your sin, but he walks with you, he stays with you, and he will walk with you side by side to pull you out of your sin. That's why we can grieve him. I love that, though, because it's a promise. He'll abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, it's so hard to explain to a non-believer what this means. Because there's something in me literally telling me things that, that speaks to me, that talks to me, that gives me dreams, that makes crazy things happen everywhere I go. And trying to explain that, like that's why Jesus said, you know, someone, unless you're born again, you can't understand the kingdom of heaven. It's like the wind. You could see the effects, you could feel it, but there's no way you could comprehend it. Same thing with the Spirit. He comes in, He changes everything, and it's like, wow, like I actually know God. <laughs> I love this next verse. It says, I will not leave you orphans, I'll come to you. So meaning, God's going to come to you through the Holy Spirit, and he's, that's the way He's going to father you too. Because an orphan's fatherless. But that's the way he's going to father you. He's going to pull you. Come to your father. He's going to pour into you. He's going to speak to you. That's why it calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of adoption. Meaning the Holy Spirit. The spirit that's in you that convinces you you're a child of God. Is this making sense? You guys following me? Love this. You know. But he says if you love me keep my commandments and I will give you this. You know a lot of promises of God don't come about by how much we quote them. Like the, you reread, there's promises all throughout this book. It's filled with promises of God. But in every promise, there's a condition in which that promise manifests. Mm. You know, I, all things work out for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. That's a promise. But if we cut out the other part, we just said all things work out for the good. And that's not true. So for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, if you love God, you are called according to his purpose. See, there's a condition to where that becomes a reality. So here's this commandment. He said right here. Actually, let's start at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. How do you, how do you, how do you abide in God? Keep his commandments right there. It says it, but check this out. He says, keep my commandments just as I've kept my father's commandments. So just as Jesus kept the 613 laws in the Torah, he's telling you to keep his commandment. He separates his commandment from his father's commandments. And he says, this is my commandment in verse 12, that you love one another just as I loved you. See, what he did there was he took the whole entire law that we couldn't do in the flesh and made it a heart issue. Where God comes in and changes your heart, now you're naturally doing the law. Because it says if you know the love's been, love of God's been poured out on our, on our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Question, if you love someone, are you going to lie to them? No. You shouldn't? If you love someone, you're not going to kill them, are you? You might, you might threaten to kill them, but like, you're not going to kill them. If you love your friend, you're not going to be like jealous and covet what if they get an advance or they get something you don't have. If if you love someone, you're not gonna you know you're you're not gonna cheat on them. You're not gonna like the whole entire law gets summed up in this one phrase. That's why it says this is the fulfillment of the law in Romans 13, and it says this is the fulfillment of the law in Galatians chapter five that you love one another. It's all that law is fulfilled in this one saying. And here's the thing. God made the law a heart issue where it's no longer do this, do this, do this, check, I'm in. But it's keeping your heart in check. Because he makes it harder because he says love your enemies. He says turn the other cheek. He says if anyone's hurt you, forgive them. Let it go. And that's a lot harder. But the truth is we can't do it without God. We never, But we were never meant to. We are always meant to walk this life. You were actually created to be filled with God. That's your purpose. That's why God created you. See, I love this right here, though. It says, greater love is known than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No, listen to this. This is important. It says, no longer do I call you servants. Did you know you're not God's hired hand? Like, he didn't, like, hire you on. Like, it says, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all the things I've heard from my father I made known to you. So living out this one commandment shifts your relationship with God from a servant to a friend. Think about that. That's what he's inviting us to, a friendship with God where we share his heart, we know his heart, and we share it. We get to know him, and then when we know him, who he is starts manifesting through our life. Is this making sense? You guys still with me? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Love that because, you know, if I'm running a company, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company, and I want this to be successful, you know? And I hire some people on to do a job, and they start messing up, and they mess up orders, and they, they're slow, and they're not fast enough. What's going to happen to them? Fired. Fired, right? How am I going to preserve my company? Fire them. Get the boot. Get out of here. Find another job. This isn't for you, right? But what if it's a family business to where you want to pass it down to your children and and it's been in your family? It's like a generational type thing where it's like you want to pass it down to your children. They're going to pass it on, you know? And your children starts messing up and your son, you hire your kids and they start messing everything up. They're not getting everything right. What are you going to do? Fire your kids? No. Teach them. You're going to walk with them. You're going to help them. But they mess up, 
You want they're, they're representing you, so you're going to walk by their side until they're able to do what you can do, right? That's the relationship shift here in the kingdom of God. He's saying you're not a hired hand. You're not going. You're not. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. You're, I'm with you constantly. Even if you mess up on your worst day, I'm still there and I still love you. But I'm going to walk with you side by side and I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to take you by the hand and walk with you through this. Because the kingdom is a family business. See, God's not interested in hiring you on to serve his kingdom. He's interested in sons and daughters. Does that make sense? amazing oh god like he's after his kids like he really is after us he wants relationship with us and he's provided every way possible for him us to be reconnected with him like i know could i a lot of you probably don't know my testimony so i'm gonna i'm gonna share the pg version of it <laughs> but like you know I grew up in a really abusive home where I watched uh, people use Christianity as a way to look good in front of people. And then behind closed doors, they were completely twisted. Like, my mom was an amazing believer. My stepdad was abusive. My real dad left as soon as I was born. He just chose drugs over a family. So eventually, I actually grew up with, like, just, like, my nickname was Loser at Home. I would actually get, like, every day, like, get ragged on. And like my self-esteem was zero. Like I was just suicidal at a young age, like where I just couldn't take life. And then uh, I ended up, once I became a teenager, I found friends that were into witchcraft, into drugs, and I'm just like, okay. And they became family to me because I couldn't find family anywhere. I couldn't find acceptance and love. And like, like that was missing. So I went, the only place I could feel that, feel it. It was just with friends getting high and then it, that just got into all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's funny because at that time, like, I was against God. I, I hated the concept of a God that just wanted us to blindly believe in a book. You know, I didn't, I'm like, all right, because I grew up knowing the Bible and going to church. And I went to Awanas and all that fun stuff. But, like, I didn't like the idea of just believe a book. I couldn't do that. Like something in me said there's got to be more and I searched for it. I went to witchcraft because, you know, things actually happen. And I was like, wow, things are actually happening. But that's just, it's demons. It's demonic. And it just creates even more bondage. And it, it's, you know, what eventually happened though is uh, I grew up in California and then uh, my probation officer, I was on probation for assault on a police officer, and I didn't really do it. Like, the cop kind of beat me down and said I tried dating him. But my probation officer was like, hey, if you move in with your sister, get off drugs, I'll cut your probation. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, no problem, you know? And so I took it, and then I went to West Virginia, like, looking, you know, looking for drugs, could not find meth anywhere. 
that's what that was like my drug of choice back in the day. I was like hardcore hooked in that stuff. And then I couldn't find anything, so now I had to deal with withdrawals, you know? So every two seconds I'd have a mood swing, like literally I'd be happy, stub stub my toe, want to kill the world, then be depressed about it, then be happy again. And that's two minutes, you know? <laughs> like uh it was crazy, but then one one night, like I finally broke down and nobody was home. I just decided I'm gonna have it out with God. I, I cussed him out. I thought I was tough. I'm like, God, if you're so blanking good, why did you let this happen or this or this? And I just threw out my laundry list of things I held against him at him. And I was just screaming. Like, nobody's around. You know, no one could hear me. But I'm just like, and the weirdest thing happened is I expected him to answer. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, like, God did enough things in my life to show me he was there. Like, where all throughout my life, in my whole rebellion against him, he would keep showing up in weird locations where I knew it was him. Like, where I was, like, stranded in the middle of the desert, like, walking home, and then some random person picked us up and, like, started telling us about Jesus, and you could feel this, like, peace off him. And I'm like, what's... And I knew that was God, but, like, little things like that happened all throughout my life, but I I knew he was there. So next day my sister's dragging me to church and it was one of those tongue speaker churches so I'm like the only thing I heard about them is stay away <laughs> you know so she like if you're living in my house you're going to church with me and she made me go so I, I get there and it's funny because I was planning on you know sitting in the back so I could be near the exit then sneak out go smoke a bowl smoke a cigarette whatever I could do just kind of stay chill there and then my, my sister happened to be best friends with the pastor, so I'm stuck in the front row, four feet from the altar. I can't move. I can't sneak out because they'll know. And I'm just like, oh, this is, this is hell. This is horrible. Like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, the worship started. Like I was saying, like, how many of you guys felt something while we were worshiping tonight? Something real? Yeah, there was, like, some God was doing something in this room, and that's real. See, but, so what happened was, all of a sudden, this love and this peace started hitting me and I'm like what is this stuff get it off you know I'm I'm serious I was freaking out because I I could feel this tangible it was like love was squeezing me like a hand of love like I can't explain it like it was just a tangible weight came on me that was love and peace and joy and then I felt this hatred rise up in my heart and I heard this voice in my head say I will not give my life to Jesus And this voice was screaming, I will not give my life to Jesus. I will not. And I realized for the first time in my life, that was not my thought. That was not my voice. It was like, all of a sudden, that was disconnected from me. And it's funny, because I remember back in the day, someone tried sharing the gospel with me, and I spit on him. I was all drunk, and I told him I was the Antichrist, and I went off on him, you know? (laughs) And then... But something's going on to where all of a sudden I realized something was in me that was not a part of me. And then the worship got stronger. Then the lady locked eyes with me and she like literally illuminated. I'm not joking. Like all of a sudden she got a shade lighter and I was like trying to figure out there's a spotlight above her. And all of a sudden like she starts shouting at me in tongues like, I don't know what happened, but I was in snot and tears, trembling like this. Whatever was in me got ripped out of me and I'm just like rocked under the power of God. It's over. Like I'm just like, And then the pastor, to make it worse, he gets up and he says, I feel like God wants me to change my sermon. So he starts answering every question I shouted at God. And I'm just like, I'm done. (laughs) It's over, you know? 
it's funny because like I I gave my life to the Lord, you know, that night. I like ran to the altar. I was waiting for him to do the altar call. He he barely did it too. I was like almost disappointed. I'm like, no, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I did, and it's funny because my sister found like like right after I gave my life to the Lord, my sister found some like marijuana seeds in my room, so she kicked me out. Like literally gave my life to the Lord, I'm getting off drugs, and then I'm kicked out and I move into a drug house where I'm back around the same crap that I came from. Like we were drinking seven cases a night, but it was amazing because I could not drink my need for Jesus away. Like I get there, but some it was like amazing because I would drink and I'd be more depressed. I'd smoke, I'd get high, but it wasn't the same because before the only way I could feel peace if if, if I was high, if I was sober, I'd go crazy. Like in my mind, on my thoughts, I needed something to numb me from the fact things wasn't okay. But now something happened in my heart when when I be, went back to drugs, I I knew there something was missing. I knew it it just wasn't the same. And I tried, I tried being a drug addict for a year, but God did something in my heart, and it didn't work out for me. Like it's, it's. See what happens is when you come to the Lord in Ezekiel, I believe it's is it thirty six or twenty six, but He says that He'll give you a new spirit. He'll He'll give you a new heart. Thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. He'll put He'll He'll give you a new heart, and He'll put renew a right spirit in you. Like he'll change. What that means is God was going to come in and change everything from the inside. But the one thing he doesn't change is this. That's why we're supposed to renew our mind. Romans 12 says, you know, let, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you may prove what is that good and perfect and precious will of God. So what that's saying is, guess what? When you give your life to the Lord, everything inside becomes new. You become born again. Your spirit's joined to his spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're a brand new creation. Everything's new. Everything you bad you've ever done has been cut off. It's not yours anymore. But the problem is this thing is still wired like the old and needs to be wired to the new. You still think like the old person. You still think like before you have Jesus. You know, a lot of people think the flesh is this evil thing inside you. That constantly you're in this duality constantly where you're always going to struggle. But the truth is the flesh is actually your life lived in the past. It's, it's your mindset, your memory muscles. You get used to your habitation here on earth that's separated, that's independent from God. So when you come to God, this thing re needs renewed to the reality of him. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus. So... I, I Like I said, I tried being a drug addict for a year. It didn't work out because God did something here before it caught up to here. And it was, it was, it was funny because I remember, like, God kept showing up there, too. Like, I, I was, like, at a party, and, like, everyone's all passed out. And then someone's playing DMX, and one DMX is, like, prayers start playing on the radio. I'm just, like, getting rocked by the Spirit because he's, like, crying out, like, saying, I'm in this situation where I'm around people you said I shouldn't be around, and I'm wondering why things, like, it was, like, speaking exactly where I was at. I'm just like, man, like, what's going on, God? <laughs> you know, but one point I want to make with that is, Guess what? If you backslide, if you're falling, if you're not walking with God, or you have friends who aren't like walking right, God is right there with them. God's not just going to bounce out and say peace. He promises never to leave them or forsake them. He's going to go after them. Sorry, they didn't know he came Oh, okay. Is this... 
it's amazing because like you know Jesus says it's in John chapter 12 Most surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, my servant will also, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now here's the thing. If you love your life in the world, guess what? You're going to lose it because the devil's out to kill you. You start playing and holding hands with the devil. His goal is not to get you high and to give you a good time, but his goal is actually to take your life. He uses instant gratification to do it because all sin is is a quick moment of feeling okay, and then all of a sudden he comes in, and he still kills and destroys. But there's this thing where Jesus says we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Well, that means the life you lived before you knew Jesus, it needs to be cut off. Like, that's not who you are anymore because when you come to Christ, you're brand new. All things become new. Like, check this verse out. It's in. Are you guys following, tracking? You guys good? Yeah. Love this passage, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It doesn't say will be. It says is right now, here and now. Like I heard there was an altar girl. How many of you guys responded like earlier today to like, just Jesus, I want you. See, what happened was right here. It says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Meaning everything you wish you never did, it's not there anymore. It's gone. It's cut off. It said Jesus is the lamb. Like, it says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If he takes it away, it's not yours anymore. He promises, I remember your sins no more. And he's going to, he's actually, we're supposed to be imitators of God. So that means your past lived without Christ is not yours anymore. You're a brand new creation. That old life is dead. You're a new creation. That's why it says in Colossians 33, you died and your life is hidden in Christ. Right here, I love this. And he died for all but those who live. In the, all right. It says, If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's present tense, right now. This is reality. Verse 21, you know, it says, he, who made, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I love that because everything we wish he, we never did, every mess up, every sin, everything, there's not one thing Jesus missed on the cross. Like when he died, he gave everything for you so you can have a relationship. And all the junk that separates you from knowing God, he took on himself so you can live free without that junk. And he doesn't just tell us. I love that he doesn't just tell you to quit everything you enjoy and quit everything good or quit everything that sounds fun and, and become religious. But he says, look, let's just get filled. Like, Jesus, help He wants to give you so much more. 
and says, are you done yet? I have so much better for you. Now, with my walk with the Lord, it's amazing because, like, how I witness to people, like, we're supposed to imitate God. And, like, uh, a lot of, for the last eight years, I've been witnessing on the streets. I've been sharing the gospel. Um, I've seen God do some pretty crazy things. But part of, like, where I witness to people and part of my heart for people came from how he's treated me how he's been to me because I know I lived a life that was worthy of condemnation. I lived a life that was worthy of going to hell. And instead of sending me there, God's heart told me was, look, I love you and I'm willing to pay any price to be with you, to be in relationship with you. God really, really loves people. Can we just pray, sir? Jesus. something real God we want relationship God it's amazing how like Jesus is the light of the world you know he comes in and says that He's the light of the world, but then he turns around and calls you the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill that can't be healed. What that means is people are supposed to look at you and see God. They're supposed to watch your life and know who God is. You're supposed to be imitators. That happens out of relationship, but when we actually enter in a relationship with God, we become like him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, like that verse, same verse where now the spirit of the Lord is with the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty, but we all with an unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. What just as by the spirit of the Lord, what that means is when we behold Him, we become like Him. We're we're seeing Him and we're looking like in a mirror because when we start seeing Jesus, we start seeing ourselves. We start seeing who He created us to be, and we start becoming like Him. Now, here's, here's a crazy thing to think about, but you were created in the image of God. Like in the garden, God's plan for mankind was for you to be created in his image, right? God created Adam and Eve and said we created them in our image. Jesus is the image of God. So when you see Jesus, you see a mirror to who God created you to be. It's amazing because like if you're a believer, like there really is a difference. Like, I remember uh, one time, like, we're uh, witnessing in Holiday Park, and there's this guy. 
he was sitting there rolling a big fat blunt and just chilling and I'm like, hey man, what's going on? How are you doing? Do you, can I pray for you? Can I bless you? And he just kind of looked at me all weird and he's like, yeah. Well, do you get any pain in your body? He said, yeah, my knee actually is messed up. And we prayed for his knee. His knee gets healed. And then we just share the gospel with him. He gives his life to the Lord. And then we show up a week later and he's sitting there like hanging. He was actually hanging out. And it was a couple weeks later in the same spot. And he was hanging out with a friend and his friend was all drunk. And um, like we're, we're talking with them and it was crazy because he looked brighter like his eyes looked different there's something about him that was changed that was different and his friend had this darkness over him and i thought it was just me like his like seeing in the spirit or something but it turns out everybody commented on that like the whole group i brought out with they're like that was weird because it was like the sun was shining on that guy he was just lit up and the other guy like there was a shadow over him and it was like everyone could see it but what how well it was so funny though because like the, we start sharing the gospel and sharing what it means to follow Jesus with them and just discipling them on the street and like pouring into them. And he's getting excited. He's getting lit. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, dude, that's amazing. And then his friends just kind of like, you know, it, trying to quote scripture, but in a twisted way, like where it's just he didn't really know scripture. And it, it was just funny seeing that contrast. But when you become a believer, something changes inside you. And even if you're living in the world, like there's something different about you. It's God lives in you. This how when you give your life to the Lord, this becomes a home to God, and it's out of relationship with God that that manifests through our life. Does that make sense? And it's amazing because God, He's still the God we read about in the Bible. Like He never changed. Like if Jesus lives in you, and it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means you, the same Jesus we read about in the Gospels is the same Jesus that lives in you. Like, I don't think we realize what we've actually been given. Like, you know, John actually had a commission, too. Like, you guys heard the Great Commissions, right? Does anybody know the Great Commission? No? It says, go out to all the nations, preach the gospel, go make disciples. You guys heard that, right? What about the... Um, like, go, go preach the gospel and baptize people in my name... And these signs will follow those that believe. They'll heal the sick. They'll cast out demons. Anybody heard that passage? Yeah? Well, John has a, a commission too. John chapter 20. 21. Well, that's why I'm in Acts. <laughs> like looking down like, those verses are. Jesus. Alright, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Think about that. That's the first, that's a commission. He's saying, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Everything you see me doing, I'm sending you to do. Said for this purpose Jesus was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. Guess what? That's your mission too. Everywhere you see the devil's footprint, you actually have a calling on your life to destroy that. That's what that's how Jesus walked. And it's amazing because he doesn't just give you a commandment and then leave you like, How do I do this? But it says, When he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he, he didn't just tell them to do something, but he actually gave them the power to do it.
Are you guys still with me? You guys good? Yeah. Can I share some just crazy fun stuff? Because I I love I love seeing God move. I love what He does. So like we're in um my wife and I were in Guadalajara and uh we're going through this village which um it was called Agua Caliente which means hot water because there's there's this huge spring that was like just hot water you know like. The hot springs, yeah, one of those there. And uh, we're going through it, and it's just high poverty. Like, we're like, they're like, don't step in the puddles because there's parasites, and kids are bloated and like running around with torn up clothing. And it was just like, it, it was crazy. Like, so we're going through, we're giving food away and just blessing people, and all these little kids start helping us carry the food. And then they, they start following us. So I'm like, hey, you, come here. Pray for this guy. Put your hand on his leg. And they, they did. And I'm all saying, Jesus' name, me be healed. And through the translator, they start praying. What? Oh. So, so all of a sudden, like, these little kids that are four years old, five years old, six-year-old, God starts healing through them, through the whole village. They start saying back-to-back, people getting healed. That was a... Yeah. Um, we have a question for someone anonymous. Um, they're asking if there was a baby or a young child, would they be immediately saved if they passed away? Yeah, they would. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so it's amazing though because these kids that didn't know Jesus yet were walking with us and healing the sick. Why? Because they were just told they can. They were showed, and then no grid. Like. A lot of times, like, we think that God will move if we do A plus B equals C. But the truth about God is it's out of relationship. We get to know him. We spend time with him. And he's a healer. That's who he is. He's, it's easy. I don't, I don't have this part figured out, and I don't want to. Uh, like, like, when I pray for healing over people, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just kind of pray and hope for the best, and God shows up, so it works. But the thing is, I know, like, I know he's a healer. But one thing amazing about in Guadalajara, we're watching little kids who had no grid for any of this start laying hands on the sick and watching person after person after person get healed. So about two days later, we went back there. We did this massive food distribution where we had like, all of a sudden we had like two, 300 people surrounding us and just people everywhere. And then after they got their food, we had prayer lines. So the little kids that were praying for people, and we shared the gospel with a handful of them, gave their lives to the Lord, but they came in, and they're like, could we be your prayer team? We're like, yeah. So they came in, and all of a sudden, we literally watched probably about 40, 50 people get healed of some kind of crazy, like crazy stuff. Like, this is to little kids. It's funny, because like my son, actually, this happened a few, few weeks ago, or actually two months ago. Uh, he went to the store, he saw a lady with a boot, and he just walks up to her and says, hey, what happened to your foot? She, oh, I broke my foot, and he prays for her, she gets healed. And she's like, it's funny, because like, you guys saw Zakiah like, running around, like, playing soccer. Like, that little guy, oh my gosh, like, it's so funny taking him out witnessing, because it catches people off guard. I'm like, hey, can my son pray for you? They're like, oh, how cute, sure. And then something happens, and they're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> But it's like, think about this. If little kids could do it. Now, Zakiah, he didn't have an amazing man of God lay hands on him. Or he didn't, you know, fast and pray long times. He just, 
He was just told, he grew up, I raised my kids knowing they could, and they have. Like, it's funny, my, my oldest son, Haven, his teacher, he saw she had a headache. He walked up, prayed for his teacher, and she gets healed. And she walked up and he said, your son uh, prayed for me today. I had a really bad headache, and he just put his hand on my head and said, how we go? And I'm like, well, did it get better? She's like, yeah, actually it did. And she's like freaked out. But the thing is, like, they're just grown up in an environment where that's normal. It's funny because, like, when they when they would get hurt when they were younger, and like, grandma would be like, "Oh, do you want me to kiss it better?" And Zakai's like, "No, I want you to pray for it." <laughs> like, you know. But but I think when it comes to God's power, we we really like kind of mystify it and make it really hard to obtain. You know, only holy people, only certain people. But what I'm realizing is, anybody who's hungry for it, anybody who wants it, could have it. It's funny because, like, uh, when we're in Guadalajara, our translator was watching person after person after person get healed. And he's just, like, mind-blown. And he thinks because, you know, because the special anointed people came there, that's why that's happening. And he was, like, kind of getting bummed out because once we leave, he's like, oh, no, once they leave, the miracles are going to stop. Or God's not going to. So he was by himself at a laundromat, and then he saw, like, two guys come in. And they it was weird because, like, God told them to have a Bible on them. And they walked up to him and said, hey. Do you have a Bible? And they asked him for a Bible. And he's like, so he pulls out a Bible, gives it to him, and then he, he asks if they have pain in their body. And the dude has pain in his body. He's, and he, he's like, you, lay your hand on his. And he starts getting them activated and healing. All of a sudden, that dude gets healed. And he's on his knees. Ball, he showed me his, a video on his phone. And it was the sweetest thing because the guy's literally on his face like this, bawling and crying because his stomach got healed. And he's just like, God just showed me, he proved to me that God wants to do this and it's not about me and it's not about you guys coming here but it's about him and the truth is God's a healer, that's who he is the, the truth is God loves setting people free He loves, and it's not just healing, it's every area the devil has enough like the, every area the devil has a hold Holy Spirit loves to destroy that, that's also poverty. That's also brokenness. That's also like suicidal thoughts. That's all like all this stuff. Depression. Like God's after it. It's amazing because we get a partner with God to see it. Are you guys okay with me sharing testimonies? Hey, I just love what God does. I mean, He's amazing. I've got ten minutes. Okay, so. Like, but what what does it mean to live in a relationship with God? To walk after Him, to know Him. You know, it's funny because like I. Like, if someone goes to you and says, how do I know God? Oh, read the Bible. Pray a lot. Like, like there's disciplines we do that we connect to God with. But I've actually seen a lot of people do those disciplines, such as prayer, reading the Bible, and, you know, praying and worshiping, but they don't connect with God. See, there's something where we have to have a heart position in worship. We have to say, God, I want to know you. Like, I, I want to really know you. And when we read the Bible, we say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. God, I invite you into this. I'm not just reading to know about you, but I want to read with you. 
Like I want, I, this has to become my life. I have to become what this says. And there's this thing where we could actually connect with God through the Bible. We could connect with God through prayer. We could connect with God through worship. And that's what makes those disciplines powerful. But it all comes from relationship and it all comes from intimacy. Like, um, have you guys heard of Heidi Baker? Anybody? She, she said a quote that like kind of rocked me like way back in the day. It was, all fruitfulness flows from intimacy. What that means is with God, the only way you can be fruitful is spending time with Him, being intimate with Him, knowing Him, and seeking after Him. In that place, like everything flows, and you don't have to force fruit to grow, you know? Like love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self. Like you don't have to like force those and, oh, I need to be more loving or I need to have more. It, it's really a product of knowing God and seeking after Him and seeking after His heart, and that stuff just grows in our life. So I'll share, I'll share one more fun testimony. Yeah. So, the, so this going back to Guadalajara, like um, we're my friend had a ministry outside the hospital because in Guadalajara there's like hundreds of people sleeping on the street, and it's just crazy because what the happens they'll bring loved ones to the hospital and then like they won't can't afford to go back and forth or the medications will cost too much or like treatments and they'll end up stuck like homeless on the street. So my friend's, uh, uh, Marcelo, his daughter, about 10 years before this trip, was in that hospital about ready to die, and he's like just brokenhearted, and then some lady walks up and says, God's saying your daughter's going to be okay. And after that moment, his daughter was healed, got out of the hospital. So he started a ministry where they bring food to these people, they pray for them, and they, they share the gospel with them. And it was crazy because we get there, and they're like, you have five minutes to preach the gospel. So, okay, so I just preached about Jesus the simplest way I could, and then we watched about 40 to 60 people give their lives to the Lord crying. Like, God just, and it was crazy because it wasn't just like me convincing them to believe God, but there's a presence of God there that all of a sudden it gripped their hearts and they responded. And when we invited Holy Spirit to show up, He did. And then, check this out we had prayer lines outside the hospital, and people were getting healed left and right. We must saw like probably 50 people get healed that night of crazy stuff. Like, like just you know but one of my favorite testimonies there's this uh little baby that was in the hospital for 10 months from severe pneumonia uh severe pneumonia and the the mom went to go get prayer from one of our uh, uh friend named julie and he she you know she gets prayer and just for her little baby that was in the hospital and then literally two minutes after that she gets a call from the doctors and they're like hey we have no idea what happened to your son, but he's completely better. So we're just going to release him tonight. And we actually filmed him getting out of the hospital, which is just nuts. Like, it's just, but that's God. That's the God we serve. And the fun thing is, like, it's not just me having crazy testimonies, but there's, I believe there's an invitation to anybody who wants this thing. If little kids who don't even know God yet, could walk in the power of God and see God move. How much more someone who's sold out and loving God and just really simply takes God. I believe you and I want this. I want you. And here's the thing: every one of you is qualified. Every one of you could actually change somebody's life around you. Every one of you could could represent Jesus to the world around you. So, real quick. Hey, do you get? Were you? Do you have knee pain? I saw you holding your knee. Yeah, I got a cramp. You got a cramp? Is it like really tight or? <laughs> no, not, really. not really. 
Hey, what's Leo, what's Leah? Leah, can you do me a favor? <laughs> can you put your where? Can you put your hand on his leg? Can you touch his leg? <laughs> touch his leg right here. Touch it. Say, how we go. Can you say that? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say it, Mom. Say it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Check it. Check it. Check it like. Yeah, it feels better. It feels better? Yeah. Oh, she didn't even like. Hey. <laughs> What's your name, bro? You guys want to see something really crazy? I need a volunteer. David, I'm ready. Does anybody get like really bad lower back pain? I constantly. I do right now. You ready? Do you have anything hurting you? Anything in your body? Yeah. 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 Come here, dude. Come here. He twisted his ankle. Can you put your hands on his ankle? Can you just put your hand on it? Laugh at it. Just laugh at it. I'm serious. <laughs> and just say thank you, Jesus. This is Lily. Be healed. In Jesus' name. Now move it. <laughs> is it gone? Feels good. You can't find it? Hey, come here. Come here real quick. Thank you. Here, sit here, sit all the way back. Can you grab them? Because it's hard to Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
pray and just expect God to do something. I don't have, I don't try to visualize things or try to like squeeze my faith muscles or I, sometimes I can even think of pizza. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking about. It matters like, I just know God's a healer. Yeah. You got one more lower back thing? You got one more lower back thing? Right, me too. I got one. What? Get it. You heard me pray. Pray the exact same way all these kids will pray. Pray for that. She has one more back pain. What about? Does anyone get migraines over here? Why are migraines? Like really bad headaches? Is that you? You want those to go? Tell her neck to be healed. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.